Aloha, Penn Nation. What's up, everybody? You're now tuned in to yet another edition of BJPenn.com Radio, the fighter's voice. As always, I'm your host, Jay Kinch, and we have finally arrived at episode 100. We stacked this show as much as we possibly could. We had some really cool things in the works. Unfortunately, they didn't pan out. However, I'm sure they will going forward. So nonetheless, it's been an incredible journey so far, and we are only getting started, my friends. I greatly appreciate all of you that tune in each and every week, or each and every episode, rather. Cannot thank you enough for the continued support. And in return, we're going to bring you guys the best guests, awesome conversations, and a whole lot of fun along the way as well. But before I break down tonight's guest list, like I tell you guys each and every episode, your home for MMA news is BJPenn.com. Bookmark us, BJPenn.com forward slash MMA news. Follow us on social media, Twitter, Facebook, Google+, Instagram. Set up alerts on your phone. Get the news as it breaks. We've got all the exclusive content, breaking news, hot topics, everything you could possibly want under one roof, everything you crave from the sport you love in mixed martial arts, BJPenn.com. We have got you covered, guys. So on that note, episode 100, about as stacked as they come in regards to guests. We're going to kick things off with one championship, middleweight and light heavyweight title holder, the Burmese Python, Ang La Unsang. Ang La has taken one championship by storm. As I said, he's captured two titles and he has captivated the hearts and minds of the entire country of Myanmar. He's become an athletic hero to the Burmese people and he looks to continue to do them proud on October 26th as he returns to action. So we're going to talk about that matchup, his opponent, what he has planned going forward to ensure his continued success, the pressures of being such a huge star in his native country, and a whole lot more. Next up, we're joined by number five ranked UFC welterweight and former title challenger, Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. Following the loss to Darren Till back in July and sustaining a pretty nasty injury in that fight, Wonderboy is finally on the mend, finishing up his rehab. He's ready to get back to action, and we're going to talk about potential matchups. He's called out Robbie Lawler. That would certainly be a fun fight, so we're going to break that down. We'll talk about other possibilities for his return to action, his thoughts on the landscape of the division, the title picture, and a whole lot more. Next up after Wonderboy, the UFC bantamweight champion returns to the show, TJ Dillashaw. He joins us to recap the win from UFC 227 against his heated rival, Cody Garbrandt. We'll discuss what's next for TJ and this ever more likely champion versus champion fight between himself and Henry Cejudo. We'll get TJ's thoughts on Henry's win over Demetrius Johnson. Future opponents for TJ at 135 pounds. How he plans to defend both belts simultaneously and continue his quest to becoming the pound-for-pound king. All that and much more with TJ Dillashaw. Then next up after TJ, you know we couldn't bring you episode 100 without one of our favorite guests, the brash, the outspoken, the American winning machine, Colby Chaos Covington, returns to the show to give us his reaction to Tyrone Woodley opting for surgery and prolonging their inevitable showdown for the undisputed welterweight championship. 
As you guys already know, Colby never minces words. We've got plenty of topics to discuss with him. We're going to get his thoughts on the return of John Jones, John's conditional agreement with USADA, other big fights at 170 pounds that interest the current interim champ, and a whole lot more. You guys always know it's a fun conversation with Colby Chaos Covington. Then next up after Colby, returning to the show, he was one of the guests on the first episode of BJPenn.com radio, so it's only fitting that he returns for the 100th show. Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu revolutionary, founder and owner of 10th Planet Jiu-Jitsu, and head grappling coach to the former UFC lightweight champ, Tony Ferguson. Of course, I'm talking about Eddie Bravo. We're going to catch up with Eddie on all the continued success of the Eddie Bravo Invitational, EBI. We're going to talk about his team competing in Quintet tomorrow night in Vegas, right before UFC 229. And of course, we're also going to break down this matchup between his star pupil, Tony Ferguson and Anthony Pettis, and get his take on the main event, who Eddie would prefer Tony to fight next, and a whole lot more. And then closing out this episode, we're joined by number 15 ranked light heavyweight in the UFC, surging Australian prospect Tyson Pedro. It was recently announced that Tyson is going to face off against Mauricio Shogunhua at UFC Adelaide on December 2nd. This is a huge matchup for Tyson. We're going to break that down, recap the loss to Ovince Prue that he's coming off, the lessons he learned from that, what a big win over Mauricio Shogunhua means for his career, his longtime relationship with his brother-in-law, Tai Tiuvasa, who is also fighting on that card against Junior Santos, and a whole lot more. There you have it, guys. Six great guests. This is BJPenn.com Radio, the fighter's voice, Episode 100, kicking things off, the Burmese Python, Ang Lawton Song. All right, Penn Nation, please welcome to the show the current one championship middleweight and light heavyweight king and the hero of Myanmar, the Burmese Python himself, Ang Lawton Song. Thanks for taking the time to speak with us today, man. How is life down in Florida? Uh, it's going great, you know. Um, my family's settling in, you know, Fort Lauderdale. And um, I feel very at home in this new uh, in this new gym, you know, uh, Hard Knocks. I mean, it's not really new because I, I did my last two uh, training camps there. My last two um, fights were, you know, I did my training camps here. So it's not really like new as in new, but uh, we're loving it. The family's loving it. My son's loving it. My wife's loving it. Uh, and we're having a good time here, you know? Right. That's probably that's probably one of the most difficult parts of that transition. I mean, it'd be different if it was just you, but moving over the whole family, that's a lot of that's a lot to adjust to, right? Yeah, yeah. We had to uh we, we had to sell our house, you know, in Baltimore. And uh fortunately for us, uh we had it in the market for you know, for for two weeks and uh it was sold. So Right, it is a buyer's market right now, or seller's market, rather, that's for sure. Um, now, what has it been like working with Henry Hooft and all the talented guys coming out of that gym? How much has being there uh, elevated your game? Um, you know, uh, Henry Hooft's system really works well with me. You know, I'm, you know uh, it's simple, straightforward. 
and it's uh, simple and super effective. And um, it's uh, so one of my biggest, uh, you know, uh, issues was my wrestling. And with, with you know, one of the wrestling legend, uh, Greg Jones here, working with me day in day and out, you know, Cami, um, and, and really high level wrestlers. It's uh, it's really helped my overall MMA game. And just to be able to spar, you know, and train with uh, high level guys in my weight class has uh, really improved, you know, my uh, overall MMA game. Right. Iron sharpens iron. That's the, that's the old adage of, of, of working with tough guys in the gym, but obviously that, that really good wrestling, that's such a pivotal and key part of the mixed martial arts game. That's got to be, uh, incredibly beneficial for you to work with such guys like that. For sure. For sure. And you know, if you can't wrestle, you can't fight, you know, and like a, a lot of my, a lot of my you know, uh, a lot of my matches has been lost because of my wrestling, and 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 just being able to deal with wrestlers is gonna greatly help me with my overall game. You know, and and this is just the beginning. Like, this is just the start. I'm a hundred percent, you know, full time MMA fighter now. You know, before I was always uh, coaching, you know, teaching classes, or, or or I had another job. You know. Now I can just focus on MMA. Right. So not only are you getting the, the type of training that you need, this is a this has been the first time in your life where you've been able to focus solely on your professional career as a mixed martial artist. Exactly. Wow, that's so, a beautiful thing, man. Yeah, it's 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 a it's an amazing opportunity for me, and uh, it, it's what keeps me hungry right now. Right. Right. So speaking of hungry man, you're slated to return on October 26th against Muhammad Karaki. Uh, first off, how has your training camp been so far? You know, it's been going great. Uh, I had an early start to the training camp, so I'm very happy. Um, you know, in shape, and I'm gonna be. Uh, uh, it's gonna be my. You know, like I say it, but I, I mean it. You know, it's gonna be my 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 best fight yet, and I, I'm excited to uh, put on a great show. What what can you tell us about your opponent and how happy are you with the matchup? Uh, my opponent is uh, undefeated uh, fighter uh, Gracie Baja Brown Belt. You know, good strong grappling base, uh, good ground and pound too. Um, and he he's a he's a two division champion in in, in the Middle East as well. Um, I've watched a lot of his uh, matches and. Uh, I, I really think that, like, he, he's going to come in and he's going to uh, he's going to lean towards uh, taking it to the ground, you know, uh, since he's more of a grappler, and uh, um, it's going to be a it's going to be a fun fun matchup. Undefeated, you know how like undefeated fighter has a lot of confidence. Of course. Uh, yeah, it, it's going to be good, you know, and I like that. I like I like uh, I like tough fights. Right, so you're looking forward to taking on not only a hungry guy, but also kind of putting him in his place and letting him know that you're the alpha dog. Yeah, for sure. You know, he, he's uh, he's coming in from a different organization. He's uh, undefeated. He's younger than me. You know, he's like, uh, so it's going to be fun, you know. Absolutely. Now, you're coming off uh, some great fights. You've got a lot of momentum over these past few bouts. You captured two titles. You finished one of the scariest guys in the promotion, and now you're set to defend the middleweight title yet again. It must feel like the sky's the limit for you at this point, right? Yeah, I feel like you know, uh, 
it's funny because like in, in my training session I still have those days when I'm like oh man nothing's clicking you know and and I'm still learning you know I'm still learning and I'm still growing as a mixed martial artist um even though I've been through like I've been through so many fights, I've almost had like forty fights now. You know, um, it, it's crazy that only now everything is clicking and everything is uh, making sense to me. So I feel like uh, you know the best is yet to come. You know, and I have great, great training partners. Yeah, that's one of those things, right? We we've always heard that the mind will always stay sharp in this sport, but it's the body that gives out. So once you're able to combine the two and have all of the knowledge, the wealth of knowledge going into fights and have the body that performs, that makes for the deadliest combination possible. Yeah, for sure. And, and right now, you know, I get the chance to, to become like a professional athlete. Um, and, and I know for a fact that, you know, my body is going to react a lot better and my body's going to act a lot better uh, with, with this kind of uh, setting. Right, you're only coming into your prime right now, but you know, did you always feel like you'd achieve this level of greatness, or is it all still kind of surreal at sometimes? You know, it's um, I, I've always I've always thought that I would you know be here. Um, I thought I would be here a little earlier. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, fighting from like when I was 19 to like 33. You know, like I I thought I'd be here a little earlier, but. Um, Everything in due time and everything, you know, you need to, you need to be patient and you need to put the work, you know, or else everybody else would do it, you know. For sure. And, and everybody's journey's different. It's all at a different pace. So, sure. I my, mean, my pace has been slow, you know, my pace has been slow, but right now I can say that I'm going to, my game is going to get elevated and my game is going to get better, you know, and better years are ahead of me. I have no doubt, man. I have no doubt. Now, you've made it very clear that you didn't get into this for fame, but it must be incredibly humbling to be carrying an entire nation on your back. You know, what has the experience been like for you being propelled into superstardom in just a few short years? Um, it's, 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 uh, it, it, it's motivating, you know, for sure. For sure it's motivating and it's humbling. Um, something that I would never, you know, imagine or dream about, um, like it's hard, it's hard for me to like see myself like that, you know? Um, so when I go to Burma, it's like people taking pictures and they're all in your face. It's kind of, you know, it's hard sometimes. Um, but at the same time, you, you have to understand that, you know, it comes with, uh, it, it comes with, you know, what I'm doing right now, but it's, it's all gonna, eventually it's all gonna go away. So yeah, I, I see what you mean. It's tempor it's temporary in a sense, but you know, at the same time, I mean, you are a superstar coming out of a country that, you know, doesn't have too many uh, athletic idols, if you will. So, I mean, I feel like you'll you'll probably go down as history as one of the most important athletes to come out of the country. Yeah, I imagine this: there, are, you know, fifty two million, fifty two million Burmese people in the world, like, and, like. I'm the only champion, you know, that they have. So it's important that I, um, like, like for me as a person, I, I need to do everything that I can to be the best that I can. And whenever I compete for them, uh, represent them, I have to represent them, you know, with integrity and, you know, uh, work, work hard 
so that I can uh, I can make them proud. Absolutely. So, so to me, it's motivating. You know, to me, it's motivating, um, and it keeps me hungry. Yeah, man. You know, some of the loudest crowds I've ever heard have been at your fights, and you know, you've become the biggest star in your home country, like we're just talking about. But it, it must be at the point where you can't even walk down the street. Yeah, like uh, for sure. Like it's it's uh, if I if I stay and I start taking photos, like it will be all day. You know, right, I mean, right. All day thing, yeah. And I wouldn't get to where I want to go or you know what I want to do. So. Right. Now, I know you said that this gives you a lot of motivation, but it also has to be a lot of pressure to, to have that weight on you that, you know, you are literally carrying a nation. Yeah, for sure. It's a lot of pressure, you know. But when I fight, I don't put pressure on myself. Uh, when, when I fight, like, I stay focused and I uh, I don't, you know, dwell so much on the pressure. Um, the, the thing is, you know, I have, in my career, I have 10 losses, you know, 10 losses and uh, with the losses, you develop mental toughness, and you know I had to, you know I had to uh, read sports psychology books, and I had to learn to put no pressure on myself. So when I compete, like the, the, there isn't that you don't get you don't get um, flustered with with pressure, you know. So I don't really feel that pressure when I compete, but you know, of course, it, it, you open the news and you see, you know. Uh, you turn the news on and you see like you know your your match on TV and stuff like that. It's a lot of pressure, you know. Everybody's talking about it in the country, so it is a lot of pressure. But I try not to take it to me uh, to, to, with me when I compete. No, absolutely. You you want to reach that that peak flow state. You want to be you know mindless and and not so much mindless, but for the mind to be empty and for you to yeah. just be flowing when you finally get in there. So I, I understand what you're saying completely. Um, but, you know, one championship, they've really pushed you for obvious reasons that, that we're discussing right now. But I'm wondering, how do you maintain that level of cool along with the stardom and all that pressure from, you know, the, the standpoint of a promotion in regards to winning? I mean, one one championship must have a lot of pressure on you to keep winning, too, since you're their, one of their biggest stars right now. Yeah, um, I th- I think so, you know. I think they do, but uh, I try I try to not think about it as much, um, especially during training camp and all that. Yeah. Uh, because it's only gonna like mess with your head. Right. Um, but but for me, you know, I've been doing this for 2005. I've been fighting, you know, for 13 years now. So, um, and and, and you know. I, I've been I've been uh, I've been fighting through you know so many shows where I was the first fight you know of, of the show and now you know finally headlining it I, I feel like I I feel like this is you know we are I am where I should be in the journey so right it's it's all deserved it's all well deserved for you yeah. Yeah, I think, you know, it's, it's, it's about time in my head, so. <laughs> right. Yeah. Now, speaking of one championship, everybody I've spoken to from the promotion only has good things to say. They have the Eastern markets on lockdown. They're building massive stars like yourself. You fought for a ton of different promotion. What's What sets uh, one apart from the rest, in your opinion? Um, so, my first match, you know, in... in um, 
in Jakarta, they, they took care of me really well. You know, they uh, uh, communication was good, and I, I like I like the fact that you know um, they 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 they, uh, they show Eastern martial arts more than make it more like a like a like a like a fight. You know, I, I understand at the end of the day, it is it is a it is a fight. It is a fight, but uh, there's more respect between the opponents. Um, right. When when we had our stare down, we were we were told specifically not, not not to like you know be in each other's face, be respectful, and all that. You know, so I, I kind of like that. It takes away the drama because at the end of the day, we are going to end up uh, fighting anyways, regardless. You know, so it takes away the drama and it uh, it, it makes it like. Um, it makes it more um, more about respect and more about uh, uh, integrity and you know uh, more like martial arts, like Eastern martial arts. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's more pure, that's for sure, man. Uh, I talk about it all the time on the show. I understand the drama aspect you're talking about, promotion. You know, everything's kind of shifted to pro wrestling in order to sell tickets. I understand that, but yeah. I, I truly do miss the 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 martial way the Bushido code of respect your opponent and, yeah. and, and show respect after the fight. So uh, it is very refreshing to see that being embraced by a promotion so big as one. Yeah. And, and it, I, it, it really goes with my value. You know, I'm a, I'm a fighter and all, but at the end of the day, like when I leave this earth, I want to, I want to, I want to leave it a, a better place than when I, when I came in, you know? So, um, so having respect and having uh, uh, seeing other people as, you know, I don't see my opponent as somebody I hate, you know. I see my opponent as somebody I respect, and he's fighting so that he can, you know, uh, like my last opponent, he, you know, he's fighting because he needs to make a living. So uh, we're both here trying to make a living. You know, we can, we can both, you know, go in there, put on a great show, and um, and at the end of the day, we can shake hands with each other, and we can have breakfast the next morning. Right. Again, it's it's very refreshing to hear this kind of stuff because we see so much of the opposite end of the spectrum in this day and age. Uh, but listen, getting back to your own career, what are you, what are the goals for yourself for the next few years? You know, obviously defending your titles, but you know, what kind of mark are you trying to leave in terms of legacy? Um, so as far as my athletic career goes, I want to uh, end it, you know, at uh, at my peak. You know, I, I don't believe that I've, I've reached my, you know, my peak yet. Um, I want to continue, uh, continue and uh, doing well at my, you know, weight class. Uh, I want to keep uh, getting, you know, good fights. And and w- when I'm done competing, I want to bring back uh, MMA to my country, you know, in Myanmar. And hopefully, I, I, I bring the next generation. So after that, the next 10 years, I want to bring up the next generation of uh, MMA uh, competitors. Yeah, and, and don't get me wrong. I wasn't at all insinuating that, that you know, you're, you're close to retirement or anything like that. It's just, you know, you've already accomplished so much. You've become this huge star. You have all the star power for your country. You know, in, in, in regards to legacy, it sounds to me like your primary focus is Go out there, do the best you can, but at the end of the day, you want to bring back everything you've experienced on your journey back to your country and give that back to your people. 
Yeah, for sure. You know, um, so where I grew up is very different from where I am right now. Um, we, we don't have the, 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 the same luxuries that, as uh, people in America do. We don't have the same. Uh, uh, we, we don't have the same opportunity as uh, a lot of the people do. You know, and sometimes people people in that kind of area they, they're very they they don't they don't get the same life opportunity as uh, people you know elsewhere does. So I wanna I wanna bring opportunity to uh, people in my country as well, and I wanna kind of change their mindsets. Yeah, it's interesting. <clears throat> Obviously, you know, I'm an American, but uh, so many of us take for granted the simple yeah, for luxuries sure. of life, the simple luxuries of life that, that we all yeah. take for granted on a daily basis. So, uh, you know, I, I commend you for for saying for doing exactly what you intend to do here. But uh, you fought three times last year. This will make your third time, third fight for 2018. Uh, is it safe to say that that after this one, we won't see you back in action till after the new year? Uh, yeah, we'll see how it goes, but I do have plans, you know, I, I do have other plans besides, uh, fighting this year. What do you got going on? Um, so I do plan on starting like a scholarship program in, uh, Myanmar, you know, so, so like the, the young kids can start training MMA, uh, get a good education and, uh, have, uh, and, and, and have an opportunity, you know, to, uh, to do what they love, you know, to do what they love and uh, to have, you know, food on the table and education taken care of. So. That's beautiful, man. When is that already in place? When do you plan on like implementing that? Uh, r- right after the fight, uh, I-, I already have, you know, talks with my, uh, with my friends back home and uh, talks with, you know, some, uh, some ministers and stuff. So it's going to, it's going to happen this year. Beautiful, man. That That is amazing stuff. And, and so important in this business, man. A lot of guys get get fame, they get a bunch of money, and then they leave everything that they knew behind. So it, it is it is really good to hear that that you plan on giving back in in such a a big fashion like that. But um, are we at a point right now where we should only expect to see you compete in Myanmar? You know, I feel like it's going to be really hard to put you on flights anywhere else, right? I think they're going to put me in Japan next year. Yeah. Yeah. I think they're gonna put me in japan for a big fight so i'll be ready but it, it doesn't matter man like I, i'm a you know i'm down for right whenever yeah right stack them up you'll knock them down yep line them up all right so after you feed uh defeat karaki what's next a light heavyweight title defense or yep that is the plan so middleweight and then light heavyweight defense now did do you plan on alternating like that throughout or it, it has, has um, one championship talked to you about that? Yeah, I plan on just alternating. Okay. That makes sense. Any other title aspirations? Um, yeah, I, I don't think you could move down anymore, but you're, you're, you're content with two belts. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, it's not about the belt, you know, it's not about the belt. It's about being the the best you can be, you know, for me, like honestly, middleweight is the weight class for me. Um, I, I I pack a power in middleweight, and I, I can take you know a shot at middleweight. So uh, most likely, I'm gonna stay at middleweight. 
there's no there's no reason you know there's no reason for me to unless like for some reason i i lost a bunch of weight or, you know, <laughs> right. uh, yeah this is this is the weight class that i feel comfortable at this is the the, the weight class that my lifestyle you know fits right you know how like you know how some people grow out of the weight class like I think I, you know, I think this is the weight class that's good for me. Absolutely, and and the stuff that one championship's doing in regards to weight cutting and all of the problems yeah. that we've heard about this in recent years, it only makes sense to fight at a weight that is comfortable for you yep. and your body. I mean, th- th- that's your best bet. Yeah, yeah. Now, so so in ahead. the long run, you you you'll see me, you know, more middleweight. Okay. So, in regards to this fight with Karaki, how do you visualize the fight playing out? What do you see? How does your hand get raised? Um, so, like, as far as experience go, I don't think he's been in a like a five round war. Um, I feel like after the first round, he's gonna he's gonna feel my pace and my power, uh, and I'm gonna break him in the second or the third round. All right. Well, listen, man, we greatly appreciate your time today. I know we went a little bit over what I had originally anticipated, but it's been an absolute pleasure speaking with you. Uh, In conclusion, man, tell all the fans out there why they need to make sure that they download the one app and make sure they tune in for your fight on October 26th. Yeah, um, so the one app is free, and it's it's live uh, action from, you know, uh, from from, uh, one championship, and we have... uh, uh, so the super series they started has all the all the striking, uh, you know, the, the kickboxing. You have Andy Sowers fighting, and you right, have like huge, big, yeah, yeah, big big name fighting now. So check it out; it's free. Um, and then you also have, you know, the you have actually a boxing match um, this weekend too. So it, it's it's uh, um, and and and. Um, and you know, high level MMA, uh, and it's free, so check it out. And yeah, and and my match on uh, twenty sixth October twenty sixth is going to be a, a great matchup because I always when I when I compete, I always come to fight, and I always um, look for the finish. You know, it, it, I could finish you in the first round, or you know, I could I could finish you in the fifth, but I'm going to always be looking for. Um, uh, a way to entertain and uh, uh, a way to finish my opponent. Well, that is for sure, man. Anybody that's watched your fights knows that you are certainly exciting and, and, a, and a crowd favorite uh, without a doubt. Uh, again, man, thank you for the time. We're, we're all looking forward to this fight on the 26th and all that the future has in store for you. Hopefully we can catch up after a big win. Uh, any shout-outs or sponsor plugs before we let you go? And where can everybody find you on social media? Uh, on social media, um, Ong Latin Sang, Burmese Python on Facebook, um, Instagram, Ong Latin Sang, Twitter, Ong Latin Sang as well. Um, just shout out to, you know, my coaches at uh, Hard Knocks, uh, Henry Hoof, um, you know, uh, Cammy, Greg Jones, and my, uh, my strength and conditioning coach, you know, Dr. Peacock. Um, and I, it's been, you know, it's been great. It's been tremendous being able to work with high level, uh, you know, high, high level uh, training partners, and I'm very honored. And I can't wait. I can't wait for October 26. Neither can we, man. I'm certainly excited. I know that 
BJPenn.com and One Championship have just just recently partnered up. So I look forward to continuing to promote you guys in the West. Um, on Long Song, ladies and gentlemen, I hope the rest of your training camp goes well, goes to plan, and best of luck in the fight. Thank you again so much for the time tonight, man. Thank you so much. Take care, my man. All right, buddy. Take it easy. Well, you heard it there. Ang La is an incredibly humble guy, dedicated to his craft, and also incredibly talented. If you guys aren't familiar with One Championship or Ang La, you can go online, check out all his highlights, tune into his fight on October 26th, and you'll understand just why the entire country of Myanmar is behind this guy, and he's carrying them all on his shoulders. But let's keep it rolling like we always do. BJPenn.com Radio, the fighter's voice. Coming up next, number five ranked welterweight in the UFC, Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. All right, Penn Nation, please welcome back to the show the number four ranked welterweight in the UFC, the incredibly humble and talented modern-day karate kid, Wonderboy himself, Stephen Thompson. Thanks, as always, for joining us today, man. As I said earlier, for this milestone event, always a pleasure to speak with you. How have you been? Obviously a little setback in May, but aside from that, how has life been, man? Man, life has been awesome. You know, thank you. I appreciate you having me on, by the way. Hey, man, it's always cool hanging out with you. But uh, you know what? Everything's good, man. I'm into training. My knee's feeling better. I ended up tearing my NCL in the last fight, and it's feeling great. Um uh, just got back from New York where I was up there helping, uh, you know, getting, helping get Chris Weidman ready for his fight in November. So back, back in it, brother, back in it, ready to rock and roll. Awesome. Awesome. Now the, the injury was something I wanted to get to here in a moment, but, uh, I saw you were in attendance for the Giants game over the weekend. Is that correct? Yes, I was. It was super cool. Um, me and TJ Dillashaw were, uh, are a part of the Van Heusen flex campaign. Where it, um, we were in a commercial, I don't know if you saw it, it was actually showed right before TJ's fight, his last fight, it was super sick, it was like a fight scene, uh, don't know if you saw it, but... Oh yeah, absolutely, uh, to be honest with you, you man, every every time, I, I play darts a couple times a week, every time I'm in the bar playing darts, that is on constantly on all of the uh, sports channels. <laughs> yes, man, yes, uh, we had a blast shooting that, man, it was super cool. So yeah, it was, you know the, the the flex collection where you know you where you're like out in the full suit, but you can sit there and throw a, throw a head kick with ease. You know, with the fabric and stuff is made of. It's super. It's really cool. But yeah, so Van Heusen brought us out there. We were out there for the coin toss, coin toss, coin toss for the Giants game. It was it was it was cool, man. It's my first time I've ever been to a to a Giants game. That's awesome, man. Yeah, I mean that 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 Van Heusen thing. That was something I was gonna kind of close up with, but. What an awesome commercial. You must have had a lot of fun shooting that. Yeah, it was like three days, me and TJ. And uh, to be honest with you, it was it was hard as hell, man. I mean, you had, we, we were there for three days, but it was from 7 a.m. literally to like 1, 1 o'clock a.m. Nonstop right. filming, doing pictures. We had our own stunt team. Like, we had our own stunt doubles, right? But there's no way that I'm going to use a stunt double. <laughs> right. I mean, I'm, you know. That was me. Like everybody's like, did you use a stunt double when you got thrown through that table? I was like, no, bro. That was me getting thrown through that table. You know, those guys, the stunt doubles were like, hey man, you know, if you need me to step out there, I was like, dude, I got this, bro. I was looking more. I was looking forward to going through that table than anything else. It was super cool. We had one shot to do it too, so we had one one breakable table, and we made it work. It was it was a lot of fun. 
Yeah, man, I think, you know, I, I did a lot of this in school. I, I went to college for digital recording, and I've always found on a set, film set, TV set, whatever, especially for the talent like yourself, obviously there's a lot of work to do, but those long days, there's so much waiting in between for everything to be set up. Yeah, and that's what it was. It was tons of waiting, tons of, uh, of course, it was awesome because they had the best food you can imagine there for us. You know, for Craft services, TJ, like, baby. <laughs> yeah, I know. It was awesome. I know it was killing TJ. TJ's got, is on that, um, you know, what is it? The intermittent, not intermittent, um, what's that new Ketogenic? Thing He's ketogenic, yeah, right? Yeah, ketogenic diet. So I think he was struggling, but I was tearing <laughs> up the brownies, man. It was, it, <laughs> there was a lot of waiting going on, but. Uh, yeah, man, it was just a super cool experience. I've never done anything like that before. I can't imagine what it's like to make an actual movie. That was a, what, a, a 60 second commercial and, and, you know, a two hour movie. I can't imagine. Can't imagine. Oh yeah. It's crazy work, crazy work. And there's so much, uh, frustration that gets involved with the talent and waiting around and, you know, people's egos get involved. It's, it, it's definitely hectic for sure. Uh, but, you know, speaking of this commercial campaign, is there going to be anything else for Van Heusen going forward with you guys? or? Well, um, maybe. We're not, we're not really sure yet. Uh, I know they were really excited, and they said they this is, like, the most feedback they have ever had out of, out of, out of the commercial with me and TJ that they've ever had. So I'm assuming they may use us again. They were really excited about it, um, and they seemed really, really cool to just to work with us because, you know, you, you ne- you've never seen really anything like that, especially having uh, MMA fighters being used, you know, um, and something like that. And, you know, Van Heusen didn't think, got a lot of, you know, a lot of feedback from people, didn't think it was going to, it was going to work. But uh, they said, they, this is, this has been the best, um, you know, response out of anybody, out of anything they've done so far um, with me and TJ being MMA fighters doing the fight scene and stuff. So, they're excited, man. So hopefully we'll keep this thing going. Awesome, man. Very good. Very good. So listen, it's been a while since we've had you on the show. There's obviously much to discuss, but I figured we'd start off with the fight against Till. Uh, I know you felt as though the, the hometown judges screwed you, and, and I think a lot of people would agree with that. Uh, but you said something about injuring the knee. Uh, MCL, I believe, is what you tore. You said recovery has been going well since then, though. Yeah, um, and usually, you know, the, the Till fight was tough, man. I mean, you know, traveling all that way to, to, to Liverpool, was fighting this guy's hometown. Um, I think he was ranked number nine at the time. So, you know, I was ranked number one or number two or something like that going out there. It was, it was, it, it was, it was rough just the fact that going all that way and the next thing you know, the guy doesn't make weight, you know, right. he, the guy had an hour to get the weight off, comes back even heavier. So it's like, man, it's, you know, he's not even trying. Um, you know, to, 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 to make this way. But you know what? It is what it is. We went out there and did it, man. I, I you know, I, I went out there to fight. I had a lot of people supporting me and actually uh, got the tickets to fly out there, people from my hometown, so there was no way I was going to turn it down. So we went out there and just, and, you know, didn't, didn't end up being my night, you know. Uh, first round, I ended up taking one of those sidekicks to the knee and ended up tearing my MCL. And, um, from then on, you know, kind of shut down my movement a little bit, um, which was the knee that, I, that, I, that I've injured in the past. So it just felt really unstable out there. So I really wasn't able to, you know, to do stuff that I normally do. Kind of held me back. So I had to more, had to focus on just kind of standing there and wait on him to come in so I can kind of counter, counter strike him. 
So then again, it was it was a waiting game. But um, yeah, man, my knee's feeling good. It took a while actually for the swelling to go down after each workout. I had a lot of swelling in the knee. You know, I've, I've torn every ligament in this left leg, but this has been the longest recovery for some reason for this. Uh, and it could be because I'm not getting any younger, but... <laughs> right, right. <laughs> uh, you know, it, it, it's feeling a lot better. And i got a great strength and conditioning coach. got a lot of people that, uh, you know, help me with my rehab, and it, it's, feeling, it's feeling much better. Just, just trying to be careful at the same time so, uh, you know, I don't end up injuring it again. I want to keep it strong and keep developing it and get it where it needs to be so I can go out there and compete. Um, and hopefully that's here pretty soon, but we don't know yet. Right, right, right. Well, <clears throat> of course, all you can do is your own due diligence to, to make sure that, that you heal well and, and, and sooner uh, rather than later. But that conversation you had with Chris Taylor, uh, you know, led to you saying that, that, that the sidekick should be to the leg and spe- specifically should be banned. I've always felt like that was kind of a dirty move personally. What was the response to that? Did other fighters come out in support of you there? You know, I mean, there, were, there was a few people that came out and, you know, agreed with me 100%. But, you know course anything you say you're going to get positive feedback and some negative feedback so i had a little bit of both but it really didn't last too long to be honest with you i and and you know it, it was just my opinion i don't i don't throw those kicks to be honest with you i i do not do it and i think i could i could crush people with a side kick to the knee you know what i mean i mean that's like my go-to technique is a side thrust kick right. i love the side kick uh it's not my only technique but i love to do a side kick but Man, I was just thinking, imagine if I went out there and just started side-kicking people in the leg. Like, you know, I don't think they would they would come out of the first round, you know? But You'd, be I'm not the to go out there. You'd be ending careers. You'd be ending careers. Say that again? I, I, I think I, if you were side-kicking people in the knee, you'd probably be ending careers, you know? Yeah, and, and, that, and that's the thing, man. You know, um, that almost happened to Robert Whitaker. I, 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 I've torn my ACL. i torn every leg in my left leg. And I know what it's like to have those knee injuries and have the doctor look at you and say, hey, man, you're, you're never going to fight again. And, you know, I spent my entire life to get to where I'm at. And for somebody to tell you that, man, that's devastating. That's like, of course. You know, that's, the end of your, that's the end of your career. That's what you've been living for. That's what you've been training your butt off for, you know, to, 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 to fight for these fans. And, and um, yeah, I, I just, I'm not going to go out there and end somebody's career. Right. It really doesn't take, it doesn't take that much. It really doesn't. So... Yeah, man, I, I don't like doing it. Um, I remember Robert Whitaker, when he fought Yo Romero the first time, you know, he ended up tearing his ACL, had to have surgery. He was out for almost a year. And then he comes back the second fight. I was like, you know, this guy's going to sidekick me in, in the knee. I'm going to beat him to the punch. So he started, he was tearing Romero's leg up with that sidekick. Right. And, you know, he's got a karate background too. So imagine if he really focused on that, he'd be crushing people. People would not, you know, like you said, it'd be ending people's careers. And right. I, I, did, I just find it a, a kind of a cheap move. Right. It's I've, I've always kind of likened it to, like, foot stomps. You know what I mean? Like, like what are you doing? Yeah. You're just breaking people's toes? You know, like, what are what are we really accomplishing here? You know? But it is what right. it is. And, and they call it an oblique kick, which these guys aren't aiming for the oblique. They're aiming for the knee. Like, right. Like, not an right. oblique kick. Right. Like, how can you sit there and look? That kick definitely landed on the knee. Like, yep. so, yeah, man, it's just I'm not about ending dudes' careers or it's a sport, you know, it's not, some people take it too seriously, I guess. I mean, you got to take it serious. It's a game. It's a lot of these guys' careers, but I'm not trying to end somebody's. Absolutely. And, and I find that admirable myself, so. Yeah, people are coming back saying, hey, well, you know, you can end somebody's career kicking them in the head. But, I mean, you know, you tear, you tear ACLs. I mean, that's, 
that's more, you, you see that more often than you see people getting their careers ended by getting kicked in the head. You know what I mean? I mean, shoot. Right. So, I mean, people are coming back saying that, but, you know, it, it's, I don't know. Right, right. <laughs> well, move, moving on from there, what did you make of uh, the Till and Woodley fight? Was that the outcome you expected? Um, I, I did, ex- I expected, I didn't expect Till to do what he did. Till, I think, only threw, like, a, uh, a handful of strikes, maybe less. Yeah. And, um, you know, I think connected with one. I, I literally figured he was going to come out being a little bit more aggressive than that. But when you fight Tyron, like, he brings that out of you. He, he, he makes it a little bit hesitant to throw anything just because that guy's so explosive. And it only takes one hit. One hit to do damage, as you saw. Um, the right hand he dropped Hill with definitely wasn't his hardest. It was almost like, if you go back and watch the slow-mo, his eyes were basically closed, and he threw just the right hand, and it connected and dropped him. And, and from then on, it was over. Right. I was actually very surprised to see Till, I mean, uh, Tyron um, being more of the aggressor. He, he threw a lot of techniques at that fight, and I was like, dang, man. I was like, heck, yeah. He went out there and just gave it gave it, it all instead of, you know, the last few fights, you know, my last fight being with him and, and his fight with uh, Maya, you know, it was it was in the most exciting fights. And I think it was because of, you know, the, the fact that he backs up and backs up and and that's what he's known for. But he went out there and kind of changed people's minds, you know, being the aggressor to go out there trying to trying to knock this dude out. And he did it, man. It was it was pretty cool. Hats off the tire, man. And he, uh, but but Till, I, I didn't expect Till just to be as hesitant. I thought he was going to go out there and be a whole lot more aggressive. Right, you make a couple of great points there. Not only does Tyron have the uh, <clears throat> the pressure from the company and the fans coming off of those couple of fights, but uh, it also kind of lends itself to him maybe not having the level of respect for Till's game like he would for say you or Maya. Yeah, man. And to be honest with you, when I was watching him fight, it was almost like. Tyron was kind of, he was kind of pissed off. Like, right. you know, this guy. Chip on his shoulder. One, he, yeah, he had a chip on his shoulder, and he wanted to prove not just to himself but to the UFC and maybe to the fans a little bit that, you know, this guy does not deserve to be out in the octagon with me right now. You know? And he said it himself. You know, he doesn't make weight in his last fight. He gets a title shot from that, which is kind of, which is bull crap. He's going to go out there and do work. So, um, you know, hats off, hats off to Tyron. But, you know, something too – He's a young kid, man, and he's a he's a big welterweight, and he's hungry. The kid's hungry. You're not gonna. I don't think we've seen the best of Till just yet. I think he's got a lot of growing uh, happening, and he's gonna get better from that. Now, were you hoping that Till would win simply based on the fact of your history with Tyron and the difficulty of getting back to that position to fight him for a third time? Yeah, uh, yeah, of course. You know, you know, there's. It was kind of back and forth. Like, you know, I would love to see Tyron go out there and just crush this dude because he doesn't deserve the title. But for my career, for my career, it would make it easier for a title shot if Till goes out there and wins. Right. So I was kind of torn between the two. Um, and even then, even if Till did win, it would take me one or two fights probably to get back to that title, you know. But, uh, hey, it may take me a little longer now. So I'm, I'm, I'm not giving up on it. I'll be 36 in February, but man, I, I got a long road ahead of me, my friend. I consider myself a young, a young 35 year old, so uh, I'm, I'm getting better every day. Still, still improving, so I'm not giving up on it. 
I have no doubt, and I have no doubt that you'll make it back there eventually. But, you know, saying on this topic, Dana has said plenty of stuff about a trilogy between you and Tyron. However, you're still at the top of the division, and regardless of the history, if you keep winning, you become undeniable, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, they, 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 got, they have to give it to me. Um, there's a lot of really top opponents coming up and, and in the top five. You know, I'm ranked number four. Uh, you got, uh, you know, RDA. You got Colby Covington. You got the champ. You got Usman coming up, I think, to fight RDA. Right. Um, you, you, got some, you got some, man, some killers. Killers in this division, man. And uh, you cannot, you, you can't underestimate anybody. Anybody. I don't care. If he's the lowest guy in the rankings, anybody's got the potential to put you away. So, but when you look at that top five or that top ten, man, it's like wow. Uh, yeah, it's definitely one of the most other, stacked divisions in the in the company. That's for sure. I agree, hundred percent, man. And I'm uh, looking forward to seeing some of these fights coming up. I mean, you got RDA versus Usman. I think it's going to be an awesome fight. Um, I'm not really sure if this is happening or not, but you have the Poirier. And, um, you know, Nate Diaz, I don't know if it's happening or not, if it's going to be for the 165 title. Uh, yeah, I think, <clears throat> I, unfortunately, I think uh, Dana White and the UFC have put the kibosh on that, unfortunately. Oh, really? Yeah. Gotcha, gotcha. That's a bummer. I was about to say, because you, you may have a few 170s moving down to that weight class, uh, like RDA, who, you know, is a smaller 170. You may see some of these guys moving down the bad division and try and go for that title, maybe a little bit easier. But if it's if it's a no go, well then, hey, hey, keep bring it on, y'all. Let's go. <laughs> well, that well that was going to be something I was going to ask you. You know, well, first of all, what did you make of the possibility of them? You know, pushing for that one sixty five pound weight class is that something you support? It sounds like you do. And would you yourself be interested in fighting at one sixty five if that was to become a possible weight class? You know, that's, that's a good question, and I've had a few people ask me that when it was earlier on, when everybody was like, "This, this, you know, there's going to be another weight class." Um, I, I'm not considered a big 170, you know, but I, I do struggle to get down to 170. Uh, I walk around about 190. You got a lot of guys in this division who walk around over 200 pounds. Yeah, and it was crazy to hear there were some 155ers that walk around. I hear to be, you know, walks around. About 200. Kevin Lee's the same. I'm like, wow. They get down to 155. That is crazy. They must kill themselves. Yeah. So th- you know? th- there's definitely a point of diminishing returns, right? Yeah. 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 And I, I think it, w- it would get to that point if I ever tried to make it. I would have to lose some muscle mass, obviously. But you know, I'm still struggling to get to 170. Um, I right. my body does not do well with the weight cut. Um, some guys are man, just, just born with it, or they've been doing this for such a long time, like Tyron, you know, he walks around over 200 pounds, uh, 210, something like that, but he, he, he can get down there, man, and then you see him, it's crazy because you see him the day of weigh-ins, it's like, man, he doesn't look that big, but once you step in the, uh, step in the, in the octagon, you're standing across from this guy, you're like, how in the hell, <laughs> right. dude, this guy looks huge, um, yeah, man, and, and, and to be honest with you, like I get, I struggle still getting down to 170, and I don't put the weight on like most people. Uh, the first time I fought Tyron, uh, the heaviest I got was crazy. I was 178 when I stepped in the octagon. Wow! I only got eight. I only gained eight pounds, which is crazy. I don't know if that had anything to do with, uh, you know, the ladies, the, the people that I was using for for my rehydration. But even the second fight, I the biggest I got was 183. Yeah, I was going to you know? say, it, so- it sounds to me like it's almost like a water-loading thing for you then. 
Yeah, it, it is. You know, and I, I mean, I'm sitting there. I'll chug water all all day, all night. I'll get up in the middle of the night, chug water. And but the best weight cut that I've had so far was my was the uh, was the tail fight and the rehydration. It, I just felt so much better. Um, but yeah, man, I, and it's crazy because I'm still learning. I've been doing this for man since 2010, which a lot of people in the UFC it's not a, it's not a very long time. But it's almost I'm still a decade. learning how to do this stuff. You know, I'm still learning how to do this stuff. Right. So, it, you know, it, it's crazy. Not just with the weight cut, but with the wrestling, with my jiu-jitsu. I had the privilege of uh, training with uh, uh, Gordon Ryan this past weekend. Oh, boy. That must have been fun. With John Henry. Yeah. <laughs> Watching so. out for those legs, I hope. Oh, my gosh. That guy. That guy's huge. He's like 230. I didn't realize how big that guy was. I know. But it was, it, it was just a really cool situation. And, and to realize how far... I have to go to get, you know, on that level. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'll probably never be on that level, but on his level. But it's crazy to see that gap still. You know, right. I've been doing this for a long time. I've trained with a lot of high-level guys. Man, it's, you know, it's like, it's like, man, I, I, I'm just a white belt compared to these guys. Right. Well, on the flip, <laughs> on the flip side of that, Gordon Ryan would be in the same situation in the striking department with you, right? So... <laughs> true, true. And I, I, I hear he's wanting to make that step in the, in the in the cage here pretty soon. So I think that's that. You know, hats off to the guy. Not a whole lot of people are willing to go from jujitsu right into MMA fight. So and hopefully we'll, we'll I'll be able to show him a few things if he, if he's interested. Right. Now listen, get, getting back to yourself, uh, you've said that you plan on being more aggressive going forward. Uh, is that a really big adjustment considering that you're a counter-striking style? You know, obviously you feel like aggression has, has cost you decision losses in the past, correct? Um, yeah, it actually it, it, it has. And, and of course there's a lot of factors that go into that, but, um, you know, I, I get a lot of people coming in and saying, Hey man, how come you don't knock people out like you used to? And I'm like, these, do you realize these are the best freaking fighters in the world that I'm, that I'm. You know, these are not just some guys that I'm fighting. Like, these are the top five guys in the entire world that I'm fighting. You know what I'm right. saying? So it's like, like man, you got to realize what, what, what kind of, uh, you know, specimens that are standing across the octagon I'm, I'm, trying, to, I'm trying to knock out. Like, every, an inch, um, every little detail, every little moment in that octagon, you know, it, it matters, either for the good or for the worse, but... Yeah, I think I'm not using my the rest of my uh, you know my, my jujitsu or my wrestling like a hundred percent. You know, yeah. I'm really not. I'm kind of feeling comfortable out there just striking. But I, I, in order for me to get back up top, in order for me to keep moving forward, I'm gonna have to mix it up. People are people are are starting to understand. Hey, this guy's just gonna stand and bang with me. And if I can make it close, I could possibly win this fight. So I've got to put another element out there. I got to, you know, I, I, I did that against, um, you know, my third fight in the UFC. I, I used a lot of my wrestling against uh, Chris Clements, and I just kind of gotten away from that. So I want to show not just the UFC, but the fans that I have stuff other than my striking. And not only that, um, you know, the guys that I face uh, from 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 now on are going to have to worry about that. They're going to have to they're going to have to factor that in 
their game plan. You know, hey, this guy can he, he can take me down. He can submit me, or um, you know, he's better than just what we're seeing right now. So right, that, I want to I want to put that other element out there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That unpredictability, and then you know, having your opponent have to worry about another facet of the game will only open up your striking at the end of the day. Exactly, and I think I think that you know I haven't been putting that out there like I like I should. So, in regards to the continued pursuit for UFC gold, you recently called out Robbie Lawler for a fight uh, at the beginning of next year. Definitely a very exciting matchup. Has there been any progress on that at all? No, actually, we're still talking with management. Um, we're not sure if it's a go. I understand that we both come off of a knee injury. I'm not really sure where he's at in recovery, but I know he's back into training. I know he's back uh, in the gym um, doing his thing. So, you know, Robbie Lawler, is, that's always that's been somebody I've been wanting to fight for a while. You know, that's who I expected to fight uh, for the title. You know, I, I thought he was going to be tired. Of course, it didn't, it didn't happen that way. Right. But I've been, I've been, you know, wanting to fight this guy for a long time. I've been a very big fan of his for a while since the Strike Force days, watching him fight at 185, knocking dudes out in Strike Force. And, of course, that epic fight with Warren McDonald was just, I mean, Robbie Lawler is a man, dude. I don't care what anybody says. That guy's a tough SOB, man. And I think it would be, I think it would be a great, a great matchup, a great fight, something that the fans would love to see. You know, uh, we're right there. I know the guys in the top five pretty much have fights, but, but me and him, we're both coming off of an injury, so hopefully everything will work out and it kind of, you know, um, works its way into a fight here pretty soon. So, um, yeah, man, it, it still may be in the works. It still might happen. If not, well, we'll see. We'll, we'll go from there. But uh, my right now my, my sights are on him. Yeah, you had, said, uh, you had said something to the effect of let's give the fans what they want and use the term firefight if I'm not mistaken. Uh, that being said, you know, give us your thoughts on how you guys match up stylistically. Well, for one, man, we're both strikers, you know, and I think, and you know, fans love to watch this game to see somebody get knocked out. They just they want to see somebody get punched in the face, you right. know. And um, this this fight, man, he walks out to the middle. He loves to bang it out. He's a very intelligent striker, um, and and one of the best in the division in my eyes. So. And I've got a lot of feedback from fans saying they would love to see this matchup, love to see this fight. And this is, I think, will be a perfect time for, you know, to show the fans and my opponents, hey, I got more than just striking. Yeah, that would be a really great matchup for that because you know what Robbie's going to do every single time. It's stand and bang it out, you know. So I agree with you there. Hey, by the way, man, I know we're running over time here. How are you doing on time? You good? Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, I'm good. I got, I got a few more minutes here. Okay, cool. I only have a few more questions here for you. Uh, but, you know, staying with Robbie Lawler here for a moment, does a dominant win over Robbie, does that put you back in contender status, or do you feel like you're a couple wins away from that, in your opinion? Yeah, you know, I like to I like to think about it, you know, uh, worst situation type deal. I, I, I you know, it, it may be one or two more fights after that, which I don't, I don't mind at all. I got, uh, I've got a lot in me. Um, I'm not really fought worn like you've seen a lot of these guys who've been fighting since they were 18 years old. You know, I've been in, I've been in the fight game for a long time, but I haven't taken a ton of punishment, you know? Right. I haven't taken a lot of punishment. So, and, yeah, I think it might maybe one or two more times. I'm, 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 prepared, I'm prepared for that. One or two more fights, hey, let's do it. I, do, I don't care. Whoever's in my way, I'm, I'm, that's, that's who I'm focused on, and, if, if it's two more guys to get that title, it's two more guys. 
Now, speaking of the title picture, uh, what's next for Woodley is kind of unclear. The obvious fight to make is against Colby, but now McGregor is saying that he wants to move up after fighting this Saturday. What fight would Wonderboy make next for Tyron Woodley? You know, well, if you, if you want to be, if you want to do the right thing, uh, as much as people don't like him, there's a few people that like him. I think he should fight Colby. I do think, I, of course, we're thinking about rankings here and not really the, the money fight. I think it would be a huge money fight for Tyron to fight, uh, for anybody to fight Conor McGregor. Of course. You know, for anybody to fight McGregor. Right. <laughs> um, but, you know, I think the right thing to do would, would, would be to fight Colby Covington. And just to kind of see where he's at, I know um, he had some kind of nose issue, surgery going on, and he wasn't able to make it when the UFC wanted him to fight, so they put Till in. But I think the right thing to do is to put Colby out there, get that over with, and then think about the the Conor McGregor after that. I, to be honest with you, I think I think Tyler would knock knock Colby Covington out. I think he would knock him out. Of course, Colby Covington has a gas tank on him. He's a wrestling machine. But Tyron's a Tyron. That's his background. Nobody realizes Tyron is the strongest welterweight that I have ever faced. He is ridiculously strong, you know. Um, and I think he's got beef with him. I think. That would be an awesome fight, an awesome fight. All the trash talk that Kobe Covington has been doing. I mean, he's, he's like on Twitter talking trash about everybody in a way. I mean, John Jones, I believe. I don't know if you saw that or not. Oh, of course. I mean, he listen. He talking about it, John Jones. I'm like, what? <laughs> Kobe, Kobe's a really good friend of the show, and, and I feel like a lot of people don't understand what he's trying to accomplish here. You know, he, he is relishing that bad guy role unlike anybody else. Oh, yeah. But you're right, man. He he's on there picking some fights with some people that uh, sometimes, you know, <laughs> might not want to hey, run into John Jones, you know. But like you said, like you said, like you know, the fans. This is an entertainment industry. You got people you love, and you got fan, you got people that you know that you hate. And he is developing that that part that 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 side of it. Right. And I think he he is he's doing a good job. He is doing a good job. It, it's getting him fights and. And he's, he's, I think he should go up for that next title shot, to be honest with you. And uh, you got to have those people. you got to have people you love and people you hate, you know? For sure, for sure. Now, he's had plenty to say about you, and you've responded already. I won't get into that, but if, if Tyron gets sidelined with this hand injury for a while and Colby wants to fight again before Tyron's ready, is that a matchup that would interest you? Oh, yeah, definitely, man. You know, anybody in the top five I think would be awesome. Um course I, I i don't know if he would take it because i know he's right there for that title shot but man yeah i mean anybody in that top five right now i'll be i'll be willing to 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 you know to step in the octagon with they're all really good fighters colby Cummington is a monster uh you know especially that last fight against rda the guy is relentless and and he's gritty which is what i that you know a lot of people don't even he's not afraid to put himself in uncomfortable situations and yeah, he takes a lot of risks. Takes a lot of risks. Yeah, he does, man. And my hat goes off to him for that. I mean, he's a tough dude. So yeah, man, I, I wouldn't mind that at all. Awesome, awesome. All right, uh, changing gears here just for a moment, real quick. Who are you picking between Connor and Khabib this weekend? <laughs> oh my goodness, that is a hard one. That, that well, number one, like my needle is is kind of leaning towards the Khabib side. Right. Just the fact that, you know, it's been a while since, since Conor McGregor's fought MMA. His last fight was about a year ago, and it was boxing. 
you know, and, and Khabib is very consistent. He's been very consistent lately, and he's never he's undefeated. He's never been knocked out. He crushes people, but at the same time, he, he's not the type of guy that knocks people out anyway. I think if, it's, if he's going to win, it's going to be he's going to grind them out or make him tap. That's what I think. Um, of course, if, if, you know, Conor McGregor touches you with that left hand, dude, he'll, he can put anybody out with that left hand. Absolutely. You know, but, but, he, but he, he's not, he hasn't been, he hasn't done very well with, with really good grapplers. I mean, Chad Mendez, he knocked him out, but those first few rounds were, were hell for Conor. And Chad Mendez was on, it was on a two weeks notice. Right. Same thing with Nate Diaz. You know, Nate Diaz, you know, ended up choking him out. His cardio, uh, um, Connor's cardio wasn't uh, where it should be, I think. And and Khabib, to fight Khabib, he better be he better be tireless. Is all I gotta say because Khabib does not get tired. Um, just from right now, because I haven't seen Connor fight, uh, you know, MMA in a, in a while. I don't think he's changed, but my needle's kind of leaning towards the Khabib side a little bit, you know? Right, right. Well, I think uh, I think John Danaher had had one of the best analogies for this fight. He said it's either going to be uh, the, the equivalent of a child getting maliciously beaten on the ground or there's going to be a really clean knockout on the other side of it. So it's, you know, exactly. it's, it's, a, it's a big 50-50 here. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that because if Connor's going to do it, 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 it's going to be earlier in the rounds. I think as Khabib gets his pace going, it's going to be harder for him to do that because he's going to be defending off those takedowns, uh, you know, nonstop. So uh, his power may fade from that. But I think, yeah, like you said, it's a 50-50, man. It, it really is. And it's I, I hate picking these fights because last time I did, I was completely wrong. And that was the, <laughs> right. that was the Bisbing and Luke Rockhold fight. You know, everybody had... Bisbing just getting crushed in that fight, right? Yeah. And you see what happened. Of course. So you never, you never know. That's the beauty of the sport, man. That's the beauty I of the know, sport. I know. That's why I love this game. I love this game. Speaking of uh, Rockhold, uh, obviously I know you're going to pick your brother-in-law, Chris Weidman, but you, you think that uh, he's much better prepared to, to go into this rematch? Oh, 100%. I mean, we are five weeks out, and this is the best shape I've seen Chris Weidman in. And, I mean, this is the best shape I've seen him in, to be honest with you. His last fight with um, with Rockhold, you know, he went in that fight. I don't, he won't tell you this because you know he's got a lot of pride and he's, he's an honorable guy. But uh, he had you know had a broken foot, couldn't do any cardio, no sparring. It was mostly stand there and hit nets, really. He, I mean, and he faded. You saw it in the fight. He got tired really quick. Right. And it was funny because everybody blamed me for the uh, the spin kick he threw. I was like, I didn't tell him to do that. That was me. <laughs> uh, so. But this is this is. I mean, he's focused. Um, that last fight with Gaslam um, has really fired him up. He's been out for with a with a with a thumb injury. Had two thumb surgeries. Ended up breaking his thumb in that fight with Gaslam. But oh my goodness, the guy the guy is hungry, man. I was up there this past week sparring and 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 you know wrestling and, and grappling with this guy and. Man, uh, every time when I stepped off that mat, it was like you know, I felt like I was going to die. You know, yeah. I mean, he's he's just he's an animal. He's an animal, and there's no stopping this guy. I think he's going to go out there and do some work, and I think Rockhold is going to be very surprised. I think Rockhold might be going to this fight thinking he's going to be the same guy, and he's not. Um, you know, Rockhold it didn't have you know the best. You know, his last two fights weren't that weren't that good. 
things, but you know you cannot take Rockhold lightly either because the guy is, is is a monster. But Chris is on another level, I believe, and um, I'll be there at MSG. Hopefully, you'll be tuning in, watching. Of course, um, everybody who's listening in, make it out there or or check it out, man, because it's going to be a it's going to be a war. Awesome. Um, I'm excited. About it. I'm about to go back out there again for another week and get some sparring in with them, and it's going to be fun, man. For sure, for sure. A lot of great fights on the horizon, and I'm certainly looking forward to your return. Uh, Wonder Boy, listen, I know we've gone like double over the time here, and, and I greatly, greatly appreciate it. Always a pleasure to speak with you, my friend. Uh, in conclusion, man, what would you say to Robbie Lawler to encourage him to take the fight, and what message would you have for all the fans that are anxiously awaiting your return? You know what? First off, uh, I want to thank you, man, for having me on. It's always a pleasure, Hayne. I love talking with you, man. I could, I could probably go, you know, talk to you through another, with another, another hour. You yeah, know? right. <laughs> I, I love you got some good stuff, and I, and I like talking with you. But, uh, man, to my fans, I'm not giving up on that title. You will see me back in the octagon here pretty soon, hopefully, um, and see a different Stephen Winter Boy Thompson. But to Robbie Lawler, man, let's give what the fans want to see. They want to see a good fight, want to see a good brawl, and I think we can make that happen. Got a lot of respect for the guy, but uh, hey, man, I'm, I'm, I've been wanting to fight this guy for a while, so let's make it happen, bro. Hopefully this will this will help with that. <laughs> right. Well, I'll tell you what. I think that's the fight to make. Like you said, very exciting for the fans. It's one that everybody would tune in for. I'm certainly excited to see you make your return. I hope it is against Robbie. Uh, again, thank you so much for being a part of episode 100, and uh, I hope we catch up again soon. Any shout-outs or sponsor plugs before we let you go? No, man, I um, uh, want to thank you. Uh, if you guys want to follow me uh, uh, on Instagram and Twitter, it's Wonderboy MMA. Check me out. want to shout out my teammates at Upstate Karate and Team Pitch Black. Um, and that's it, my friend. We're ready to rock. All right. Very good. Very good. Heal up fast, my friend, and enjoy the holidays. We'll catch up again soon on the flip side. Thank you, my friend. You have a good one. All right. Too. You too, buddy. Later. That was definitely the longest conversation I've ever had with Wonderboy. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Always a pleasure to speak with him. I know I'm certainly looking forward to his return to action. Hopefully he gets his wish and it is against Robbie Lawler. What an awesome matchup that would be. But alas, we must move forward, my friends. BJPenn.com Radio, the fighter's voice. Coming up next, the UFC bantamweight champ, TJ Dillashaw. All right, Penn Nation, the champ is back yet again. Please welcome to the show one of the pound-for-pound best in the business, the reigning bantamweight king, and arguably the best bantamweight the sport has ever seen, a modern-day ninja who can sport some serious Van Heusen threads like the best of them. Of course, I'm talking about TJ Dillashaw. TJ, thank you so much for being a part of this 100th episode. How are you doing today, man? Man, I'm doing great. Uh, Out here in Colorado. Uh, about to head into Dwayne's and go hit some mitts and, uh, you know, just uh, go back uh, to what I do. <laughs> awesome, man. Working on the ninja skills every day. Always, man. Always got to improve, man. Never take breaks. For sure, for sure. Now, you know, speaking of the Van Heusen thing, I had a long conversation with Wonderboy this week, and uh, he had talked about what a great time he had doing that commercial. Uh, he mentioned, you know, how happy the executives were with the outcome and how it's a fr- the first of its kind. But he also talked about refusing to allow a stunt double to do anything on the set. I'm wondering how much fun did you have <laughs> slamming him through a table? Man, it was uh, it was a blast. I think he was 
he was more excited to get slammed through the table than I actually was even slamming him through the table. And I was excited, <laughs> you know, but he, he was pumped. You can tell he's an, he's an action movie star uh, fan and wants to be, and I'm at, after doing it, I instantly would love to be in a, uh, a movie doing that kind of stuff because there's so much, for, so, much more, so much fun choreographing it, doing all the action scenes, seeing how cool it looks afterwards. I mean, it was it was an awesome project. I mean, they had a uh, a stunt choreographer that was from uh, the John Wick movie, so it was legit. Oh, wow. yeah, we did a, a lot a lot of cool stuff. Wow, the guy from John Wick that that's a lot of action stuff there, man. That's really cool. Oh yeah, exactly. Awesome, man. Awesome. He also talked about being involved in the coin toss at the Giants game. Uh, that was a pretty cool experience for you, right? Yeah, man. We got to go down on the field into. Uh, see him come out and shake hands and do the coin toss and just, uh, you know, meet some of the players, uh, shake hands with Manning and things like that. So that's pretty cool. Pretty cool being a fan. I'm a, I'm a big uh, football fan. You know, I'm a Raiders fan, but I'm just a fan of football in general. So it was a pretty cool experience. The MetLife Arena out in New York is amazing. Uh, so that was cool. I mean, Van Hughes Hughes has been a great partnership. You know, um, they're a, a big company, huge apparel company, and so we'll team up with them and do the cool projects we've done. It's been a lot of fun. Yeah, you had another sponsor uh, and partnership on a long list that you already have going for you, man. The awesome stuff to see you continue to build on all that. But before we get into things here, I saw online that the training lab had just started a wrestling program, and from the looks of it, it seems like Juan Archuleta is running that. Uh, pretty cool that you guys are opening the doors to the public now. Yes, I mean, I wouldn't say we're just opening doors to the public. We're not like an open gym where you can come and train whenever you want. But we're... Uh doing youth wrestling so we're doing youth martial arts so we're teaching the kids anywhere from 5 to 10 years old and then 11 to 18 years old we're teaching them jiu-jitsu wrestling striking and whatnot and then we also started a uh, more experienced wrestling club for kids that are in junior high and high school to really get ready for wrestling seasons coming up um one archuleta is not only a great um, a great wrestler but he's an awesome coach as well too he's done a great job with a lot of guys at Bosco down in Southern California, and he just has so much knowledge to pass off that he decided something he wanted to do, you know. And uh, so it's still not like just completely open to public to come in whenever you want. We have some select times to, to let the youth come in and take over the mat and kind of share it with them a little bit, you know. Right, so so it sounds to me like the, the promotional stuff that I was seeing was maybe that older class getting those guys ready for the wrestling season. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that was Juan running that, that wrestling class for uh, – for them, people getting, getting getting ready for wrestling season. We want to have like an elite wrestling program for high school kids because we know we can send them to state, which will get them a scholarship, we'll get them through school. Um, and it really kept me on the street and narrow growing up. I mean, if I wouldn't have been into wrestling, I wouldn't have gone to college. I wasn't, I wasn't one that was into school. I didn't want to go to get a degree. I didn't really care. When I, I went to college, I went to college, I went to get a degree in wrestling. Right. Uh, but I, I fell in love with the science and kinesiology and you know, but I wouldn't have even known anything about it if I wouldn't have gone to school for wrestling. So right, right. It's a great right. team to get back to the kids and really put them on the street and narrow. I mean, wrestling, you have to give it your all, so you don't have time to fuck off and get in trouble. Right, well, that's exactly what I was going to say. This is a really cool way for you to give back with all the skills that you've acquired over, over your lifetime as a as an athlete. Yeah, absolutely, man. I mean, it's, it's a very affordable program, too. We're not, like I said, we're not doing it to make money. We're just... Uh, to keep the lights on, and uh, we got world-class athletes. We got here, Pico, Juan Archuleta, myself, um, this guy Cash, we got in the gym, also a uh, um, PCAA All-American. So we have a lot of 
free knowledge to get back. And uh, we're giving it giving it to them for a very affordable thing. We want to we want to pack the room. We want it to be successful. Awesome, man. Well, based on what I've seen, the room is certainly packed. But uh, last time we spoke was in May following the announcement of your rematch with Cody. Uh, you were very confident uh, going in, and of course the results speak for themselves, but you did exactly what you said you were going to do. Uh, it doesn't get much better than that, right, man? Not at all, man, especially with all the drama that's been going on for the last like two years, all the, all the, the accusations on me, just being... Having to deal with all the drama, I mean, obviously that was a huge uh, weight off my shoulders once the second fight was done. And just to do it exactly how I said I was going to. You know, I saw the openings. I knew how much better of a fighter I was. I told everyone I was going to finish in the first round. I changed it for what I was. I thought it was completely different. And yeah, to get the knockout in the first round, like I called it, was uh, a great thing. Yeah, when I, when I spoke to Dwayne just after the fight, he had talked about Cody really not evolving at all and how he had some... Uh, tendencies that were very basic basic technical deficiencies that you, that you guys could exploit uh you know not tucking his chin leaving his hands down when he's throwing the right if i'm not mistaken you knew you had this rematch in the bag all along didn't you, I lose you there? yeah yeah i'm sorry did i lose you uh it's just for a little bit so yeah you, you, you listed everything that we, we, we knew we knew that going into it and uh you know he's a, he's a great athlete he's fast he hits hard I mean, he's a really good athlete he's gotten away with that you know guys have let him go get away with being a great athlete, but when you get in there and you have that fight IQ and you know the openings and you can take advantage of them, that's when the fight's different. You know, not only am I an athlete, but I'm out there, I'm thinking the entire time and I'm a martial artist. I, I love this game. I love training. I'm completely addicted to doing it. So, uh, you know, I, I'm as well-rounded as it gets. You can't take the fight anywhere with me and it's not happy to be better. Right, right. Now, I had asked Dwayne the same question and his response was, Focus on yourself. Stop worrying about what other people are doing, or something to that effect. But as far as you're concerned, you know, now that you're two and zero against Cody, is the team alpha male drama is that buried once and for all now? Uh, it's, it's been buried on my side for a while now. Even after I knocked Cody out the first time, I threw it behind me. But obviously, the UFC wanted to shovel it right back out in front of me. But uh, I've been I've been done with that drama for a while. You know, uh, it's, it's good that that. Uh, my uh, next fight's talking about what's coming up. It doesn't have to be against Team Alpha Male because uh, that's that's the past. That's old news. You know, I think they have a, I think they have a big problem at their gym. You know, it, there's a, there's a lot going on, and I think uh, more and more is going to come to the surface. You know, it's uh, too heavily uh, revolving around money, and there's too much greed there. And uh, you know, it, it, I mean, exactly what Dwayne said. Worry about what you can control. I'm sure is what he said. Yeah, you know, yeah. <laughs> What we can control is ourselves, you know what I mean? And so uh, we just continue to do that and make this process a whole lot easier. I didn't want to do the ultimate fighter, but ultimately it came out to be the best decision for my career because I got to show my true colors and do exactly what Dwayne said, man. Just worry about what you can control. Absolutely, absolutely. And I I know the money thing, that kind of all goes back to our last conversation when you were talking about the purpose and focus of the training lab and to make it about evolving your athletes and not being about the money. So that, that both, that goes hand in hand with each other. Um, but looking ahead, man, you've got plenty of options. Uh, but it seems the, the most likely is you dropping down to fight Henry Cejudo. Uh, it's well documented that you wanted the fight with mighty mouse, but after seeing Henry get the win, were you impressed by his performance? Yeah, man, I was impressed. You know, he went out there and he was able to, uh, close his will, you know, what he's, what he's best at. You know, I felt like uh, that was going to be a hard thing for him to do against Demetrius. He's a squirming little guy. He's hard to hold on to. But, uh, you know, he did well at it. Uh, you know, but for him to 
call me out, I'm going to put his foot in his mouth. You know what I mean? He comes out and wants to call me out after the fight. He thinks he's so big and bad after, afterwards and uh, calls himself the greatest combat athlete ever. You know, look, I, I'm, I'm, the best, I'm the best fighter on this planet. I know I'm the best, best top-round fighter in the world, and I want to prove that. Uh, the best way to prove that is for me to drop down, get that second belt, you know, run right through Demetrius Johnson. I'll defend both belts. I'll defend the 125, 135 pound belt. I'll be active champion. Shoot, I'll even go to 145 and uh, win that belt as well, man. I'm very confident in my skills. I've been doing nothing but growing. But uh, I think that, that, that fight makes the most sense. You know, I'll, I'll take that, uh, that gold medal from him as well. <laughs> now, did Henry do anything uh, from the playbook you had when you were game planning from to, to beat Demetrius? Any similarities there? Uh, you know, I mean, always. I mean, there, there's definitely similarities. You know, I think uh, I think using the wrestling against Demetrius is a great choice. You know, Zudo uh, is a big 25 pounder. Um, I knew he had the size on him and the strength on him, and so that's definitely the way he should beat him. Um, that'd be a way I could as well too. But the thing is, I could I could outstrike both those guys. You know what I mean? Like my my uh, my unpredictability, my ankles, my, my reach on them. Um, and, and uh, I think that would be the biggest threat against them is them just not knowing if I'm gonna take him down or if I'm gonna strike. And, uh, keeping them guessing is the, is the ultimate goal, no matter who it's gonna be. But yeah, I mean, generally stole a little bit of what uh, I would want to do to Demetrius. You know, get on top, beat him up a little bit, impose my power on him. You know. Uh, and uh, I feel that I can, I can do the exact same to uh, Henry Cejudo. You know, MMA wrestling is a completely different sport, man. For sure. Wrestling is one thing, MMA wrestling, MMA wrestling is another. And I think I'll beat, him, I'll beat him in that as well. Now, as you mentioned, he, he called you out right after the win. Uh, was was pretty brash about it, like you're saying. But for the most part, everybody seems to be on board with the fight. Has there been any developments on, on when that fight might actually happen? Or are you targeting uh, any specific dates at this point? Um, I haven't been targeting any specific dates. You know, I've been uh, dealing with a little bit of stuff on my own. Uh, I've got a lot of business things I've been handling. But, uh, look, man, I mean, that's the fight I want. So, as soon as that opportunity comes, and it seems like it's the, 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 the one that you wants to throw me is the right choice, then I'm in for it, you know? Right. Um, I'm not afraid to go to the end of this year, into the beginning of next year. Um, you know, I just, uh, just continue to work towards that goal, and uh, I think that, that should, should be back. Now, should Henry give Mighty Mouse a rematch before fighting you, in your opinion? Um, you know, if, if uh, if, uh, Demetrius Johnson wanted it, then yeah, but he didn't even want it, he didn't even care, he said he wants us to fight first, he said, get that super fight out of the way, because once again, man, Demetrius Johnson's afraid to fight me, he beat James Udo, he knows I'm coming for him, so, I'm gonna go down there and get that belt, then I'll have no choice, I'll, like I said, I'll defend both belts, and then I'll, I'll beat him when he tries to challenge back to that belt, you know, he, he's been running for me, whole time and so uh this is a, a perfect way for me to uh not let him run go down there and take the belts of the division and he has to come after me i'm the one that's the target on my back so it's uh the best best possibility for me right right give him no choice whatsoever um in yeah, regards to in regards to the bantamweight division i spoke to jimmy rivera last week and he seemed to be on board with you dropping down because the point that he made that there's there's really no clear contender at this time for you at 135 i'm sure you'd agree with him on that yeah, I mean, that's actually uh, uh, exactly how I feel, you know. Um, Dominic Cruz is a little bitch. has been sitting out for two years. I want to say that uh, he's ready to fight now. You know what I mean? Like, he got <laughs> obliterated. And he's going to sit out for two years, and then now I'm looking for a contender, and he's he's ready all of a sudden. He wants to sit out for murderer's row and not have to fight any of the top guys and then still get a title fight. Like, he isn't, no one owes him anything. You know what I mean? So, get back in there. I think he needs to fight Marlon Marias because I feel like, 
that's another guy that's hung for a title shot as well, too. Uh, but he just lost to uh, Asimsov, a guy that I just um, went, went easy easy victory over. You know, so how those two guys fight, work your way, decide who's going to be the number one contender. In the meantime, I'll go get my second belt and then come back up and kick their ass. Now, speaking of Cruz, um, I know you're saying that it's ironic that all of a sudden he's ready, but if Cruz in the UFC, if they called you today and said, Dominic's ready, wants to fight with you, would you take that instead of Cejudo, you know, based on how badly I know that you want to prove that that first fight was just a bad call by the judges? You know, I, I do want that fight back. But no, man, I don't take that. I make him work his way back. I had to. I should have got an immediate rematch. Not only did I win that fight, I should have got an immediate rematch. You made me work my ass off for two years. I beat number one contenders the whole time. I was the one pretty much defending my belt. He was fighting number eights and number fives. I was fighting number ones. He right. wasn't giving me an immediate rematch. Because he knew I won that fucking fight. So, no, man, get back out there and work. Do what everyone else does. You know, you can't, like I said, you can't pass up Burger's row and just jump back in there because you think you deserve it. You know, he's got a chip on his shoulder and he, he's got this uh, idea that he deserves whatever he wants. But get back to work just like everyone else. Earn your title shot just like I did. And then we'll talk about it. Yeah, I'll tell you, man, I was there, I was there, I was there live for that in Boston. And it, it looked to me like you were just in his face the whole time pushing the action. Yeah, man, I landed the bigger shots. You know, I outstruck him. Um, you know, people are giving a little too much credit on him making me miss shots. Yeah, sure, I missed some shots. That's because I was ultra-aggressive. I was trying to knock his out the entire time. You don't get points for making your opponent miss. Sure, it's a great thing to do, right? But you don't get points for it. So I feel like it was, it was scored badly. Um, you know, and if I don't lose that fight, I'm on a very long win streak. I should be on a 13 fight win streak right now. Defending my belt, you know, seven, eight times. Then we're talking about a completely different vote. You know, right now they got me number three, pound for pound. I know I'm number one. That's why I want to prove it. Not only to be top pound champion by winning fights, by being a, a professional, I can drop the weight class on a small 35er. I can make 25 easy. Get down there, get the other belt. I mean, shit, it seems like having two belts is a cool thing to do right now, so why not? Right, right. Now, and, and, and to your point, with, you know, making somebody miss. It's like Floyd Mayweather, right? He makes plenty of people miss. But at the end of the day, he's landing strikes as well. That's why he's ahead on the points. Yeah, man. You don't, you don't, you don't score defensively. You don't score a fight by defensive points. Right. You score fights, it's in the rules. You score a fight by the strikes and by the aggressiveness and by the damage. Dominic Cruz couldn't even walk out of the cage by himself after the fight. You know, he was on crutches walking back to the press conference. He right. He won the fight. <laughs> Now, uh, changing gears here for a moment, speaking of Floyd Mayweather, after the big win at UFC 227, you and Gervonta Davis went back and forth on social media. Uh, he claims that he would come to MMA to fight you. However, I think anybody with some common sense would say that that isn't, that isn't wise for him. How did the beef start between you guys in the first place? Yeah, man, I, uh, I, I beat Cody. And then, um, I don't know, a week later, Cubs Watcher showed me that uh, Gervonta Davis was talking shit on Twitter. He didn't tag me on it, so I never saw it. But it was saying that he wanted, to, he wanted to fight the guy that just knocked out Cody and that he beat my ass or whatever and he's willing to come to MMA. So when I saw that, I obviously reached out to him. I said, bring him, motherfucker. You know, like, let's do this. And if you really think you can, like, I'm already signed to the UFC. I'm not the one that has to work out a contract. And he's saying, like, let's sign the deal. Let's sign the deal. Like, bitch, I'm already signed. <laughs> you to talk, to talk, talk to your daddy, Floyd Mayweather, and let him fucking have you sign an MMA fight so that I can show you your true demise. But really, man, it's just a way for him to run his mouth and try to get some attention off of me and off of, uh, off of uh, the, you know, the high rides I had from that fight. You know, I had a lot of attention off that fight. 
he was trying to ride the wave, you know, but don't build your name off of, uh, off our social media. Let's get out there and do it for reals, you know? Right. So he, you, you look at it as he was just trying to piggyback on your accomplishment for the night. Oh, a hundred percent, man. He's trying to just build drama. You know, the guys are a little drama. Me. Seems like guys are like to run their mouths and look like idiots are the ones that are going to get these bigger paydays these days. It was, uh, quite ridiculous. You know, instead of being a professional, get out there and knock people out. Like what happened to the old days of Chuck Liddell? You know, Chuck Liddell didn't have to talk a bunch of shit. He would go out there and just knock you out, and he was uh, the most loved fighter there is, you know? It's uh, it's a sad thing that talking does more than you actually fight. You fight does. Man, I'll, I'll tell you, dude, I talk about this so much on the show. Like, I understand the promotional side and that things are kind of transitioning over to pro wrestling and that, you know, everybody's taking a, a page out of McGregor's playbook. But holy hell, do I miss the days of, like you said, Chuck Liddell, Bushido Code, respect amongst opponents. I really wish we could get back to that someday. Yeah, man, the promotion's great. Don't get me wrong. The attention that Conor McGregor's brought to our sport has been amazing. But it shouldn't outweigh your performances. It shouldn't outweigh how good you are in the sport. Like, I shouldn't have got fucking jumped by Cody Garbrandt to begin with to get the rematch from Cruz uh, because he's running his mouth and because they have beef. You know, I was beat number one contenders. I had a split decision loss. Like, I should have been the right one to get that, that title shot. But, unfortunately, that's not the way it works. You know, they were, they were, they're going more off of the beef and more off the drama when really it should come down to your skills. You know, yes, I agree that the promotion's a, a great thing for the sport and bringing the money in. But let's make sure that we're keeping it to where our skill is most important. Absolutely. The best guys are fighting the best guys. This is uh, fighting. You know what I mean? Like this isn't this isn't soap operas. Right. Absolutely. And, and unfortunately, the direction everything's been going, it seems like the rankings are just irrelevant at this point. Yeah, it's quite it's quite bullshit. But you know, you got to roll with the punches. As long as I keep getting out there and knocking everyone out, not getting hit, then it won't matter, man. I'll keep collecting my checks. Come home, hang out with my family. That's all that matters. Absolutely, absolutely. Now, listen, just to stay with uh, Gervonta here for a moment, I, I personally, like I said, I don't think anybody thinks that he would be crazy enough to make the transition over to fight you, but uh, would you be down to meet him in a boxing ring just to shut him up? And, you know, are either one of those scenarios remotely possible from your perspective? Man, I would love that. That would be, for one, I'm a huge boxing fan. Two, I love boxing. This whole last camp, I did nothing but did shit tons of boxing sparring, so I knew that's how I was going to take the fight. I knew that Cody was going to get aggressive and, like I said, have some technical difficulties and drop his right hand and, and make him pay for it. So I did a ton of boxing in this last camp. Um, I, I've gotten to, I've gotten to train with the best in the world of boxing. I got to train with Lomachenko. I got to train with the Terrence Crawfords. You know, I got to train with Fozzie. I mean, there's a bunch of... I mean, if I, if I take a boxing fight, I have the best camp possible. And so uh, I would love to prove that I feel like Javante Davis, yeah, he's quick and he hits hard. But I really don't think he's that great, man. He's pretty wild. You know, he's got some openings, and uh, if you give me that time to get in there and, and practice for a boxing fight, I know I can hold my own and get out there and uh, show him what's up. Yeah, I was just going to say, the guy the guy does knows does know that you train and hold your own against Lomachenko, right? I mean, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, and he's scared to take that fight. He's running from Lomachenko, you know what I mean? Like, Lomachenko's been trying to call his ass out for a while, and he uh, likes to act like he can't hear him. Right, right. And uh, just to go off topic here for a moment before we wrap this up, uh, we've got a huge fight between Khabib and Connor this weekend. How do you see that one playing out? Man, for the longest time, I was thinking that Khabib would wipe the floor with Connor. You know, if I'm, a, if I'm a betting man, I still bet on Khabib. You know, but Khabib's uh, last fight didn't really impress me too much. You know, when you find out Ally Kunt is a great opponent, great guy, but that doesn't take away that I felt like Khabib looked slow. He was shooting takedowns from like five feet away, wasn't setting them up. 
So I hope that's not the condition we see coming out to fight Connor because if that's the case, I feel like Connor's Connor's striking and the angles will be able to take advantage of that. So, uh, but again, if I'm a betting man, I still bet on Khabib. He's never lost a round in MMA. Um, he's an animal on top. He's uh, got the chin. Um, I think he wins the fight, but uh, it's a lot closer than I imagined when this thing was even first being discussed. Right, right. I know I've talked about it with Dwayne extensively. Uh, Dwayne is always talking about Connor's pull cross and how he's probably one of the best guys at that in the business. And I think that lends itself to Khabib constantly rushing in. So for me, it's it, it's a tight one. It, it's kind of 50-50, but, uh, you know, if Khabib gets the takedowns, that's a wrap, son. Yeah, I mean, he's just going to wear him out, too. You know, that's another thing, too, is that Khabib doesn't get tired from that grappling. You know, it's... Uh, if, if Khabib get forced to grappling on uh, Connor, Connor is known to get tired, man. He gasses out. I mean, he pretty much just straight up quit against uh, Nate Diaz. You know, Nate Diaz was peppering him, keeping that pressure, and making him grapple, and just gave up. He doesn't have, he doesn't have that grappling fight. He's not, he doesn't have that mental toughness of a wrestler or or, or, or that 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 nature. You know, so right. if you can put that on him, he's done. He's done. Right, right. All right, listen, TJ, you've been more than generous with your time as always, man. I greatly appreciate it. Uh, just to recap, the plan is to fight Cejudo next, and then what? Do you do? Do, do you defend the bantamweight title and and then the flyweight title in early 2019? Or man, it's time to whip Cejudo's ass. Time to get out there, prove I'm the best fighter in the world. Have two belts, defend both of them. What, when have you ever seen a champion defend two different belts? I'm looking to be active. I want that belt. I'll defend both of them. I'll be as active as possible. I'll, I'll line my pockets full of cash and uh, walk walk out with a smile on my face. Now you mentioned defending both titles simultaneously. The UFC has seemed to, you know, strip guys, and and even they're even talking about stripping Cormier now. Do you think they'd allow you to be an active champion in both weight classes? As long as I'm active, if I'm not sitting on the bench saying like, you know, it's like you see these title fights, you take every like six months to get them going, right? But uh, say I'm active, like screw it. If I got two belts, let me go down there and do this. Why not defend them back to back and be a little more active as soon as I get with that twenty-five pound belt? Stack the weight back on, get right back in the gym, and uh, and uh, fight for thirty-five. You know, like uh, I'm, I'm, I can be active, man. I'm, I'm a workhorse. I'm always in the gym. When I take time off, I feel like an asshole anyway. So let's do it. Right, right. Well, I'm certainly looking forward to it, my man. Uh, in conclusion, tell all the tell the fans out there that support you what they can expect from Killershaw next time they see you in action, and uh, where can everybody get some spices from the Flavor Republic? Hell yeah, man. That's right. Uh, Flavor Republic, man, is doing great. We've got some big things coming up. Um, i got nine different seasonings right now under Flavor Republic. It's flavorrepublic.co. Um, we're also on Amazon as well, too, if uh, you're one of those ones that like to do all your shopping on Amazon. Um, but uh, it's, it's, it's great, man. Um, the, the flavor we're able to put into it with all the premium ingredients, the low to no sugar and low to no sodium, um, it's about as healthy as you can get and continues to be healthy. And it, it's great for meal prep. Um, it helps me keep my diet on point. And if anyone knows me, they know how much it, my diet's important to me. And so uh, that's that's huge, you know. Um, but, yeah, you can expect me to get out there and get my hand raised, knock Henry Cejudo out. Um, I also have some big things coming up from my online academy uh, under tjdillashaw.com. should be up here in the next couple of weeks. We've done all the filming for it, putting the, the course schedule together. And it's going to be everywhere from striking, you know, boxing, kickboxing, jiu-jitsu, wrestling, Strength and conditioning, diet, it's a whole round, everything for MMA. It's not just striking for Muay Thai or kickboxing. It'll be striking for MMA. It'll be wrestling for MMA, jiu-jitsu for MMA, you know, uh, strength and conditioning for each one of those uh, 
fundamentally uh, things for MMA. So it's, uh, it's been fun to film. It's been a lot of work, but uh, it should be done here in the next couple of weeks, so that'll be fun to release as well. Awesome, man. That sounds like a serious project, similar to Bang Muay Thai, yeah. but, but all the aspects of mixed martial arts is what you're getting at. Yeah, man. It's not, we're not, I, that's, why I feel like I'm the, that's why I feel like I'm the best in the world, how balanced I am, you know? Not only balanced within my skills, balanced in life, balanced with my diet. You know, life is all about balance. So I feel like I'm, I'm going to be the first one that's going to bring every aspect of MMA to you to learn from. Um, like I said, if I'm going to team, if I'm going to pair you up with a wrestling practice, it'll be certain strength conditioning workouts I like to do with my wrestling practices to give you like a, a real day in the life kind of practice how I'd be ready for an MMA fight. You know, obviously a little bit more on the basic side of things, you know, learning the fundamentals. But uh, yeah, man, I feel like it's the first of its kind. And, uh, you know, Dwayne, Dwayne Ludwig's got his, uh, his Bang Muay Thai Academy where you're going to learn how to do kickboxing, you know. Um, and I've, I've taken a lot from him. I've learned a lot from him on how to build this on my academy, um, using some of his techniques and Obviously, a lot of my all my striking comes from Dwayne, so there'll be a lot of his techniques on there as well. So mine and his uh, academies will go hand in hand with each other, but mine's based on MMA. You know, everything from right. MMA. Right, right. Well, it sounds like very interesting stuff. Uh, listen, man, the floor is yours. Before we let you go, brother, any shout outs or uh, any other sponsor plugs you'd like to get in? Oh man, just uh, I like to thank everyone that's backed me. The guys are from Muscle Fun that have backed me this whole time have followed me from Colorado to California. Um, you know, training lab, the gyms in Southern California that I started with my teammates, Juan Archuleta, Steve Martin, um, Sam Calavita, Cub Swanson, Aaron Pico. You know, we got a great family down there. Obviously, always a big shout-out to Dwayne Ludwig and his academy out here, Ludwig Martial Arts in Westminster, Colorado. Um, you know, there's just so much love within my circle of uh, people I have around me, and that's why I'm as, as, as successful as I am. So I thank them all, and uh, yeah, man, big things to come. For sure, man. It takes a village to create a champion like yourself. That's for sure. Uh, again, I listen. It, man. Again, listen. Thank you so much for being a part of this milestone episode episode for BJPen.com Radio. I look forward to your continued success as the pound for pound best, and I hope we can catch up again soon. Uh, we'll see you on the flip side, TJ. Thank you very much, brother. Sounds good. You guys have a good one. Later. Later, bud. If TJ Dillashaw isn't in the top five, the top three, or even the top spot on your pound-for-pound list, I personally think you're crazy. One of the most talented guys in the business, great coaching staff behind him, and what an evolution TJ has had from his days on The Ultimate Fighter to becoming one of the baddest guys on the planet. It would be awesome to see him capture a second title, defend them simultaneously. That would be unprecedented in this sport, or in the UFC, rather. And Lord knows I want to see him fight Javante Davis. But we'll have to see how that all plays out. Let's keep it moving. BJPenn.com Radio, the fighter's voice, coming up next, our good friend, Colby Chaos Covington. Ladies and gentlemen, you know we couldn't do episode 100 without having our next guest back on the show. Contrary to all the talk of stripping titles, still the interim welterweight champ, our good friend, the great American winning machine, Colby Chaos Covington. Pleasure as always, Colby. Thanks for being a part of this milestone for the show. How you doing today, brother? Oh, I'm doing good. Thanks for having the people's champ, America's champ on, you know, America's show, BJ Penn Rodeo, Radio, the, the 100th episode. So it's an honor to be here and talk to you today. Hey, man, right back at you, my friend. You had mentioned that you were doing a promo video before we got on this call. Anything that you can discuss with us? 
nothing that I can discuss. I gotta, I gotta keep that undisclosed. You know, I got, I got, I'm working on some good things, some, some big things coming in the future. And you know, that's, that's the thing about me, you know, is, is as chaos is unpredictable. You just, you never know what I'm going to do next, but you know, that's why I have fans and my fans love me and respect me because, you know, I, I give them this, this gold on the daily and on the weekly, you know, to, to bring entertainment and, and fun and controversy and drama to their lives. So stay tuned. I got some big plans in store. Now, is it, is it flight related or maybe some other sides of your business ventures? Uh, you know, it, it's, it's both sides, you know, okay. it's, it's a couple different sides, you know, it's, you know, you just got to stay tuned though. You know, if, if I give you it today, you know, then, then it kills the element of surprise. I want everybody to be surprised and shocked when it comes out. Okay. Very good. Now I know you're always working hard in the gym, but you know, aside from grinding and shooting promos, what's uh Colby chaos been up to, man? Uh, you know, just, just relaxing, you know, enjoying the American dream, you know, out here in South Florida, you know, I got a different chick for every day of the week. So, you know, I'm just having fun with my ladies, you know, enjoying this, this beautiful Florida weather, you know, it may be coming close to winter time, but non South Florida, there's no seasons here. It's one season. It's hot, baby. It's, it's beach season out here with all my ladies. So, you know, I'm just enjoying life. Awesome. Awesome. So as usual, man, you wasted no time blasting Woodley for opting for the hand surgery. That puts him out 8 to 12 weeks, if I'm not mistaken, and ruins your plans to finally square off against him at Madison Square Garden and uh, most likely delays this inevitable showdown until next year. What was your reaction to that news? Uh, you know, it's just, uh, you know, I wasn't surprised. I definitely was not surprised. He's He's been ducking me for so long now, like, could anybody be surprised? You know, he ducked me last December for the show in Vegas that they wanted to put us on. He ducked me for the Ultimate Fighter. You know, he ducked me in March when they were talking about putting this fight together. He doesn't want to fight me. You know, why do you think he won't say my name? Why do you think he goes on Joe Rogan's show, Ariel Hawani's show, and he says, yo, we're not talking about Colby Covington. I know he's the real champ, but we're not going to talk about him because, you know, I don't want to talk about him or give him a platform or or, or or even entertain that so you know he's scared of me he doesn't want to fight you know he had the opportunity the golden opportunity to fight at madison square garden the iconic arena the most iconic arena in the world and he and he puts his tails in between his legs and he ducks me and, and you know he said after the fight he was healthy you know he was good to go he would have known then and there that his hand was hurt when he went to the locker room cooled off after the shower he would have known oh my thumbs messed up oh my hands hurt so you know, the thing that people don't realize is he was negotiating with the UFC this whole time. I had agreed. You know, I had agreed on the base, but I was ready to go fight. But he hadn't agreed, and they were trying to get him to agree. And, you know, negotiations must not have went well. So, you know, he wants to pout and cry like a little baby that he is, a little soft liberal snowflake, and, and hold out for the, until next year. It is what it is. You know, I'll find the show, which will be Super Bowl weekend, and we'll, we'll get it then. And I'll end his career then and take everything he's worked for. Now, it sounds to me like you guys were not only in negotiations, but you guys were planning on being the main event for UFC 230, and it just kind of fell out once he said he was he was injured. You were ready to go, though. Yeah, I was I was ready to go up until, you know, yesterday, until they announced that, that chick fight that no one knows who they are. I still don't know who they are, but, you know, no one really cares about them. But that's besides the fact, you know, up until yesterday, I, I was ready to go. You know, I was ready for Tyquil, Tyrone Woodley. 
And, you know, until, you know, negotiations went south and he probably didn't get a cut of the pay-per-view that he was looking for. So, you know, he, he threw his little temper tantrum and said, oh, I'm going to sit out till next year. Oh, oh, I need this much time recovery. You know, it's it's fake news. You know, you can't believe anything that guy says. The guy's a fake news reporting machine. So, you know, you know, I was ready for Nick Diaz, too. You know, he was another option as well. He was on the table, but. You know, I guess he was scared. He didn't want to take uh, two losses for the Diaz's in one night. So, you know, he's scared. He's going to stay on the West Coast like the little bitch that he is. Yeah, yeah, that, that was going to be something I was going to get to here in a moment, but we might as well get to it now. You said that, you know, the Nick Diaz fight would interest you and you'd fight him in any rule set. Uh, Chael Sonnen had put out a, a video of purely speculation that that you could fight Nick at MSG. You know, he'd said he had heard a rumor about it, but he didn't necessarily believe it, necessarily believe it. It sounds like there was a little truth to that, though. Yeah, there was There was a lot of truth to that. There was, you know, even my agent Lambert had approached me about it. It was a fight that was in the works, and it was a possibility. But, you know, when when the, the push came to shove, you know, he just he realizes that he didn't want to fight on the same card as his little brother. He didn't, he didn't want to take another loss like his little brother. So, you know, those little bitches in 209, they, they ain't as hard as they seem on the outside. They're fucking a bunch of scared little bitches. All they do is fight girls these days. Now, I know you mentioned that, that uh, a few other names that, that you'd be willing to fight if, if Tyron isn't ready. But as of right now, the plan is to wait for him to be ready. You mentioned Super Bowl weekend. Yeah, you know, right now the the plan is to wait for him, you know, the, but there's some other fights that, that could present themselves, you know, if GSB wants to, you know, act like he's all hard, like he's the greatest, he wants this legacy and money fight, you know, he knows who the welterweight box office king is, it's not Tyrone Woodley, it's me, Tyrone Woodley did 100,000 100, pay-per-view buys, I did 250,000, so, you know, there's only one money fight in this division in welterweight, and that's me right now. So, you know, anybody can get it from Nick Diaz to GSP to Tyrone Woodley to the winner of Connor and Khabib. So th- those are the only fights that are that interest me right now. Otherwise, I'll just wait. You know, I'll wait to unify my belt. You know, I'm still the champion. No one's taking nothing from me. Just like all this fake news has been reporting. Oh, Colby's been stripped, this and that. These guys need to get their facts right. That's why BJ Penn Radio is the best. You know, MMA junkies out there putting fake news. MMA fighting, fake news. You know, they, they need to get their facts and stories straight. And that's why I, I respect about BJ Penn. They, they do the math. They do their they do their homework and they get the, the math right. So, you know, hey, we I appreciate think- that, brother. We, we 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 work hard at that. That's for sure, man. Uh, I see that. But you mentioned, jeez, um, I'm losing my train of thought here. You mentioned, um, skip that. Never mind. Tyron's teammate, Phil Brooks, he accused you of uh, rooting rooting your gimmick and racism. I know you kind of already responded to this, but yeah, does that piss you off to hear people constantly accusing you of racism? No, you know, I mean, CM Punk, this is, this is the fakest guy in the game. He stole all his moves from other wrestlers to get where he got. And now he's trying to keep his name relevant in the MMA world by talking about the biggest name in the MMA game today, and, that, and that's me. So, you know, it doesn't really bother me because you have to understand where he's coming from. You know, you have all these little liberal snowflakes that, that say, oh, anybody that, that supports Trump and, and his MAGA is racist. But, but what about Kanye? But then when you talk about Kanye or, or, or Candace, you know, everybody knows who Candace is. You start talking about who that is, then then everybody's like, oh, well, they're uneducated black people. They don't they don't read books. What? Because because <laughs> you support Donald Trump and because you're MAGA, 
it makes no sense and there's no credibility to his story. So it, it's just funny. You know, there's people on both sides. You know, there's people that are liberal that are racist and aren't racist. There's people that are on the MAGA side that are racist and aren't racist. But you can't you can't just classify one person or a group of people just because they support their president as racist. So, you know, I just have to laugh at, at Phil Brooks. The guy's a complete joke. And how, how much more of a joke can he make of himself? Yeah, I think that's one of the biggest problems right now in the country is that there's so much division and, and each side seems so unwilling to speak with the other one because they clump all these little groups, little small groups of people that might, like you said, there might be some racism on each side, but they kind of just clump all that together and nobody wants to talk and get anything done. It's it's very unfortunate. But I remembered the question I, w- I wanted to ask there when I was fumbling like an idiot. Uh, 130,000 pay-per-view buys, are you surprised by that number? I mean, that's that's pretty low for a, for a champion. Yeah, that's, I mean, he, you know what? It's another record in, in Tyrone Woodley's storied, pathetic career. He, not only does he have the least strikes thrown in a title fight in the history of the UFC, he now has one of the worst box office hits in the 25-year existence in the UFC. Barely over 100,000 buys. It's a fucking complete joke. The guy is always claiming, oh, no one likes me. It's racism. Oh, Dana doesn't promote me. Get out there and promote yourself, you lazy-ass little bitch. Like, what are you doing with your life, man? You claim to be all all about Jesus and all this family, man, and a role model and this and that, but what are you doing with your life? You may, you're on TMZ. You're going, your movies are going straight to DVD. Your albums that you're trying to do are going, they aren't even hitting the iTunes charts. That's a complete joke in itself that you're trying to be a little rapper now. Like, he's just, the guy's a joke, and, that, and that's why I'm here to be the people's champion that's going to end his career and take everything he worked for and, 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 and and defend that belt like a real champion should. And, and you know, I don't need fucking the UFC to promote me because I know how to promote myself and I, and I know how to get there, get out there and sell fights. He doesn't know how to sell fights. Now, we talked briefly about the the MSG card and you know how the UFC's really struggled to put a main event together for UFC 230. Nate and Dustin campaigned for the 165 pound belt. Then all of a sudden, we get Ciara Eubanks and Valentina Shevchenko. Were you on board for that 165 pound title? Uh, you know, I, I can't say, you know, I, I was on board with, you know, my teammate Dustin. You know, I love that guy a lot. He's one of my training partners. Got a lot of respect for him, you know. Uh, but I wasn't on board for the 65 belt. You know, I, maybe a 65 weight class or with six, them fight at 165 pounds. But I just, I think putting 165 weight class, that's just going to clog things up even more. Like 155 and 170, those are the most amount of guys in those weight classes. But if you put a weight, you know, right in between them, it's just guys are going to leave from 55. You know, I'd probably go down to that weight class because I'm not that big of a 170. So it just, I mean, I guess it would have been cool. You know, I could have been a champ champ, but, you know, it didn't make sense for that. You know, they could, they should have just fought in the main event. I don't see why they had to have a belt for them to fight. They're two big names. You know, what else do you need from a main event from two big names like that, two exciting fighters who fight for the people? Yeah, I think that's one of the big problems with the UFC right now is it's every pay-per-view card, there has to be a belt involved. Uh, but I agree with you. I mean, Nate and Dustin, I, I would pay for that pay-per-view, no problem with that as the main event. But uh, I get what you're saying, though. A 165-pound division, that would kind of take away from 155 and 170. You'd have a lot of the, the tweeners going to that division, but it sounds like you would be open to that as well, yourself moving to 165. 
Yeah, absolutely. I would be open to that. I mean, if they had like a 163 weight class, that would be the ideal weight class for me. I, I mean, I don't cut much weight. I cut like 10 pounds max to 170. So, you know, a, a more healthy weight would be in, in the low 60s for me. So if they started the weight class even better, you know, it's just another belt I can go take. But, but uh, you know, in the future, that weight class is definitely hopefully going to present itself with a fight with either Connor or Khabib. Now, I know we've talked a lot about potential matchups before Woodley. Uh, but I spoke to Wonderboy Thompson yesterday, and he was surprisingly complimentary of your promotional and fighting skills. Does that surprise you at all? Uh, yeah, for as much, you know, as as long as he's doubted me, you know, on my come up, you know, every fight he picked against me, and you know, but that's that's every fan, you know, they all they all hate me so much they can't see past anything else, my promotional and and my my business side. That all they all they want to do is just judge me. Oh, I hate that guy. You know, that wasn't a good win. But uh, after every fight, my last fight, Dung Hum Kim, I beat Dung Hum Kim in his home country, number six guy in the world from Asia, just a killer. You know, he's only lost to, to Woodley and Conda, and I go destroy him, and everybody's picking against me. And then Damian Maia, everybody's picking against me on the on the Fox Sports desk, Kenny Florian, you know, Simple Jack, you know, and then I go out there and I destroy, <laughs> I destroy Damian Maia, put him in a pool of his own blood in his home city of Sao Paulo king of brazil and, th and then i go defend my king of brazil honor and i go beat rda one of you know the best brazilian fighters ever former world champion and, and no one will ever give me credit now they're writing him off it's just funny you know people are very funny and two-faced right they they come around once you finally get there yep it's oh. true man they're starting to come around now now they realize they have no choice they can't stop me this can't be stopped like you could say before oh he just talks he can't fight no, motherfucker. I'm one of the only ones that backs up my talk. I walk the walk, motherfucker. So anybody that wants to tell me any any different, come see me. Get get a belt and get seven figures next to your paychecks. Oh my God, Simple Jack, that is fucking hilarious. <laughs> what a great movie. Uh, but uh, uh, Wonder Boy had also said that you know we'd love a chance to fight you if Robbie Lawler isn't available, and and if you don't feel like waiting for Tyron, is that a possible matchup you'd entertain? I don't fight guys coming off losses. First off, I'm, I'm, I've already established myself. I'm a champion. I have a world title belt, something that he's never came across and something he'll never come across. His little weak karate shit, you know, that, that doesn't work against guys like me who wrestle and, and will take your will away from you. So, you know, he's got to win a couple wins, man. Stop begging for stuff. Go out there and get a win, man. Go fight somebody, dude. He, he sits out and thinks that he just is deserved and entitled to stuff. Man, you're not entitled to anything, man. You need to go out there and earn your way up like I did. I'm not going to help you to the top of the mountain. He's not at the top of the mountain anymore. I'm at the top of the mountain, so I'm not going to help him up to the top of the mountain. He wants to get to the top of the mountain, work your way up, and then I can come and then come see me when you work your way up. Right, right. Definitely got to get a couple wins in there before before uh, he's in title talk again. But as per the norm, man, you have you have flamed a few people on social media lately, which uh, I'd like to touch on here briefly. First with that, the actor Chris Evans, man. Looks to me like you're Don, Donald Trump's unofficial hitman. What do you think about that? Hey, I, I'm I'm down I'm down to be that guy. You know, Donald Trump knows I'm his extra security. You know, I got his back to the end. So you know we, you know we we got a lot of respect and love for each other, man. He's you know the greatest living American. You know the leader of the free world. How can you not respect that guy, Re regardless of your political stance, man? The guy's winning for our country. You know he's making everything better, more jobs. You know creating a better economy. So the guy's just a great person, and, and you know I'm I'm always gonna stick up and have his back. You know Chris Evans, that that fake soy boy who's in Hollywood. You know he's trying to push that Hollywood agenda where they try and bully you with their way of thinking, and that's the only way that you can think. And if you don't think that way, 
then you should die. But, you know, it's just, it's a complete joke, you know, like that's not a part of our, of the amendments, you know, we have freedom of speech, freedom of thinking, you know, it's, it's a complete joke what they try to do to Kanye West over on Saturday Night Live the other night. I mean, trying to tell him to take off his MAGA hat. Like, who are you to, to tell that guy how he should think and, and what he should wear, more importantly? that Like, these people are just so soft, man. These liberals, man, it's just, they're, they're talking all this shit. So, you know, I had to let Chris Evans know he wants to talk all this shit. You know, you know he, better, he better pipe down or I'm going to come shut his mouth for him. Yeah, I'll tell you what, the whole Kanye thing, man. So many uh, people on the left are always big fans of Kanye. And then when he came out in support of Trump, holy shit, did he piss off a lot of people. Yeah. Um, but your other target over the past week is is one that's been a recurring target for you. That, of course, being John Jones. I have to admit, man, I laughed pretty hard at uh, what you said about Applebee's putting cocaine and steroids in his food. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I, wa- I wanted to get your reaction to this deal he cut with USADA to be an informant in exchange for a lighter suspension. Well, first off, let, let's go to the restaurant thing, how he can't eat off at restaurants. Come on. Come on, Johnny boy. You sound paranoid. What's you know what par hey Jason you know what paranoid is is a side effect of uh probably drug use yes uh, and one drug in particular cocaine which is a a drug that's been in his past so you know Johnny Johnny Bones needs to lay off the booger sugar he's gonna give himself a heart attack <laughs> you know and the and yeah the, the guys the guys a piece of shit you know uh. What, what were we talking about? It, well, in in regards to the USADA thing, where he, where he cut a oh. deal to, to to be an informant, you know, what, what's your reaction to that? Oh, I'm not surprised. You know, Johnny Brasco. You know, he's he's a piece of shit. You know, he, he he's that type of person. You know, he's such a scum, and, and he'd rat people out just to, to help him out. You know, and I, I gotta laugh and, and at him a lot for that, especially for how hypocritical he was, and like when the stuff went down with me and Doom and I didn't call the cops. You know, the UFC. They called the cops to get the videotapes with me and we're doomed. And then, oh, uh, Bones is out there. Jones is out there saying, oh, he snitch. He's a snitch. Oh, this guy loses all his street clip, blah, blah, blah. And then, and then he, here we are. He's snitching just to get a reduced sentence. You know, I just, I just got to laugh at it, man. The guy's so two-faced and hypocritical, you know, kind of like his friend Tyrone Woodley. So they're one and the same. They, they have a lot of similar quality traits. Yeah, the, the irony is uh... – is is always something to behold, man. John's management has insisted that he isn't quote unquote snitching on guys, but you saw to put out a statement saying that he has to comply in order to maintain this reduced suspension. Uh, he's been going back and forth with DC, and the champ Cormier is uh, has suggested that John is the reason that Sean O'Malley got popped. Do you think DC's onto something there? I, I definitely think DC's onto something. He's a very intelligent dude. He's a smart dude. He's a clean dude. More importantly, you know, look at. Look at John and his history. I mean, it doesn't take too, it doesn't take too much to to put that uh, equation together. One plus one equals two. I mean, look at his right. passes. His brothers in the NFL have had NFL suspensions for peds for performance performance enhancing drugs. I mean, he's had two two cases where he failed his test. I mean, he's hit racked uh, Bentley around a pole with two hookers in the back. You know, hit hit a pregnant lady and then fled for the scene with all his drugs. So. You know, it doesn't take two and two to to figure out his equation and what type of person he is. Now, before we get back to your next move and, and wrap this thing up, uh, we got a huge fight this weekend. I know you've mentioned McGregor and, and Khabib, but who are you picking this weekend between these two guys at UFC 229? Originally, you know, I, I had Khabib. I, I thought he would take down uh, 
Connor and he would just pressure him and, and, and just make him quit. You know, Connor doesn't have a gas tank. He's got, you know, he's a drunk little Irish prick. So, he's you know, he's, he's full of himself now. And he never had cardio in the first place to go, you know, past one and a half rounds. He's good for about one and a half rounds. But the more I've seen the lead up to the fight, you know, I'm, I'm, I got to pick Connor, man. He's gotten inside of Khabib's head. You know, he's living inside his head rent free. Kind of like how I live inside Tyrone Woodley's head rent free. So, you know, I got to go with Connor now. I think that uh, he's he's in he's in Khabib's head, you know, and Khabib looks very emotional, and he's going to come out and fight emotional. He's going to fight a dumb fight, leave himself exposed, and get finished. So you draw a lot of comparisons with what Connor's doing with Khabib and, and your situation with Tyron. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of comparisons to be drawn there. You know, it's, it's a similar uh, type of scenario and situation that's going on right now. Right, right. Now, I know you've had plenty to say about Connor, but apparently he's eyeing a fight with Woodley after Khabib. Firstly, do you expect Tyron to possibly continue avoiding your matchup to opt for the huge payday? And uh, second, I'm sure that you yourself would, would love nothing more than to welcome McGregor to 170. Welcome him back, rather. Yeah, welcome him back. You know, he's he, Connor started to express some interest in coming to welterweight for a third belt to create history. So, you know, it's def, definitely something I see down the line. You know, and, and the thing is, is you know, he's just he's just playing with Woodley. He's not really going to take that fight because he knows that Woodley would just leech off him. He knows that Woodley's a little bitch and he can't even carry his own weight. I mean, look at him. He, he could barely do over a hundred thousand pay per view buys. What is that good is going to do for Connor? That's not going to make Connor any money. So, you know, I, I, I almost tripled uh, with these pay-per-view buys on, on my first times on pay-per-view selling the show. So, you know, uh, he's going to realize after my next fight, I'm, I'm the money fight. I, I, I'm the new, I'm the Connor McGregor better. You know, I'm the better version of him. I, I can fight. I can talk. I can, I can go when the fight just gets tough and, and I'm not going to run away from a tough fight like he did against Nate Diaz. So, you know, uh, I like I like I like what Connor's doing, but you know that that fight's never going to happen with him and Woodley because you know, like I said, Woodley doesn't carry his own weight. He's a joke. He can't sell fights, and he's not a draw, man. He's he's not a money fight. Nobody gives a fuck about him. Yeah, I think that would be a, an important thing for Connor going forward. I mean, just having a guy like yourself who could go back and forth uh, promoting a fight. I mean, you, you do huge numbers there. Yeah, it, it would be ginormous. You know. Everybody's gonna see in the lead up to the next fight, like what I'm willing to do to to sell the, these fights, and, and, and you know, just just keeping the fans happy. You know, I, I, that's why I'm the people's champion, and that's why I'm America's champion because you know everybody's involved, everybody's a part of this. You know, it's it's a show now, and I'm gonna give the people the show that they deserve, that, that they pay the hard money for. I'm not just gonna sit on my ass and just hope that the UFC does something for me, and then cry when they don't do it. You know, I'm I'm gonna be I'm gonna suck it up. I'm gonna take I'm gonna take everything in stride. And I'm gonna work hard like like all the people in America do to to make their dreams happen and and more importantly this you know this is about this is bigger than me now this is about you know America this is about the troops and this is about you know getting away from the division you know let's let's become one with this country again and love our country that we live so freely and have so many opportunities provided to us because of the military and service members right instead of constantly shitting on those guys it'd be nice to to thank them that's for sure. Um, speaking of which, man, I, I know, uh, last time we spoke, you, you had just got done at an air force base. You got anything else planned, um, going forward here, uh, to visit the troops? Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely going to take a couple more trips, maybe go to Fort Bragg soon, but you know, I obviously I've been on call cause I thought I was going to go fight in New York, but now right. I found out 
by New York. So, you know, I'm going to start making my schedule in the coming months, you know. And, and then once we figure out with Woodley, you know, he made that weak-ass timetable that he's going to be out the rest of the year. But, you know, I, I'm trying to get him as soon as possible early next year, hopefully Super Bowl weekend. That makes sense. Put it on the biggest card in Vegas, and, and let's do this. Let me take over the game and, and end, every, end that little crybaby fucking gossip, bitch. So as of right now, the plan is wait for Woodley and let's make it happen on Super Bowl weekend, maybe the biggest card of next year. Yep, that's the plan. Unless some bigger comes from the names that I mentioned before, you know, there's no one else. You know, I, I need to unify my belt. I'm still the champion of the UFC, and and I, and I want to unify my belt. And uh, you know, and then and then it's on to the next one. I'm gonna be a real champ. I'm gonna defend my belt, fucking every couple months, like a real champion should. Not just fake injuries, make up injury excuses, and then go sit out for a year. I, you know, that's that's not giving justice to these UFC fans and the fans around the world. They don't deserve that. Yeah, and interestingly, interestingly enough, man, all this talk about stripping you, and yet. You're still the champ. Yep. Interesting enough, all these people said, oh, as soon as the fight's thrown, you strip. No, I'm not stripped, bro. I just fought th- three, four months ago. Go- I fought in June, July, August, September. Okay, I- it was four months ago. Like, wh- what do you want me to do? I just fought. I was, you know, I needed an extra month to get ready. He didn't want to wait that extra month. People should realize by now, Tyron Woodley does not want to fight me. He's been running me from me for since day one he does not want to fight me i'm the last person he wants to fight because he knows what happened when we fight like there's no he's not gonna pull that bullshit on me you can't throw that right hand on me i'm gonna make you fight motherfucker you're not gonna back up he's never walked forward in the octagon in his life he just backs up and tries to throw a right hand so you know i'm still the i'm still the champion you know and Tyron Woodley, he's a fake champ. He's got his little paper belt, so that doesn't carry any weight. He doesn't sell fights. He doesn't promote fights. The guy's a complete joke to the sport, and and, and I'm gonna end him. I'm gonna take everything Tyron Woodley worked for. His his kids are gonna have to live. He's gonna have to live with himself the rest of his life. Look at his kids, knowing that I end his career, and, and he's and people are gonna give him shit the rest of his life. You know, just like Ralphie Dos Nachos. He has to live the rest of the life knowing he let down all of Brazil. And Tyrone Woodley's going to do the same thing. He's, he let down all the left liberal snowflakes, all those Hollywood little bullshit fucking people that want to support Harvey Weinstein and want to support fucking Bo, uh, Bo Jackson and all these fucking criminal, delinquent, fucking sick pedophile fucks out in Hollywood. So, you know, this fight's going to be massive, and I'm just I'm preparing for it. I'm Every single day I get ready for it. It's a super long fight camp, a fight camp that – You've been in for several years now, and, and it's all finally coming to fruition eventually, hopefully in February. Yep, a, a lifelong dream since I was a little kid. I've been working for this since I was five years old, man, in wrestling rooms, in karate dojos, doing jujitsu. So, you know, I've been at this for 26 years, and, and now it's time to really cash in. I, I, You know, I'm ready for this moment. You know, this isn't something that's just been happening for a couple years or a couple months or a training camp. This is my whole life I put into this. I didn't take no shortcuts, no sac- or I made a lot of sacrifices, and and, and I'm hungrier than ever, and I, and I believe in myself more than anybody does, and, and that's why I'm where I am, and that's why I'm going to go to where I'm going, and, and that's the, the top of the division, the biggest money fight in the UFC, and the face of the UFC. All right, listen, Colby, greatly appreciate the time as always. Thank you so much for being a part of this 100th episode. Uh, in conclusion, my friend, the floor is yours. Anything else you'd like to say, any shout-outs or sponsor plugs, go for it, brother. Yeah, I got I to gotta give a shout-out to Ronda Rousey. You know, hope WWE is going fun. One of these days, we got to get a tag team match going against uh, Stephanie McMahon and Triple H. And, uh, that, that, that's the plan down the road. WWE, we coming. It's going to be a crossover star soon. 
Well, tell me, man. I mean, obviously, I know that's been in your back pocket for a while now, but are, are the gears finally moving with that? We're finally making some progress with that? Yeah, the gears are moving. You know, Vince McMahon knows who I am. Uh, everybody in the WWE organization loves what I'm doing. I'm doing WWE better than they're doing it over there. So, right. You know, that, I got Dan Lambert, my agent, the best agent in in the game, you know, from the best gym in the world, American Top Team. And, you know, he, he's uh, talking to Vince, talking to WWE, and something's going to happen. But we obviously been putting it off because we want this next fight. Like, I'm so motivated and hungry on my next fight. All I care about is my next fight, defending my belt, and destroying Tyron Woodley and putting him out to pasture. That's that's the number one top of the priority list. And then after that, let's I'm ready for WWE. Awesome, man. Well, I certainly look forward to it. As I always say, man, it's it's been awesome to be a part of the ride, and, and, and I've enjoyed every moment of it. I know we'll catch up again soon, my friend. Enjoy the Florida sunshine and, and all the pretty ladies down there, bro. I appreciate that, my man. Stay safe out there. Watch out for them snowflakes. <laughs> you know it. There's plenty of them up here in Rhode Island, that's for sure. So, got to watch out. Absolutely. All, all right, right, brother. Take care, Jason. Thank you, bud. Later, brother. Later. So many similarities between Colby and Chael get drawn, but for me, the one that sticks out the most is when Chael had said, I'm like a grenade, when I go off, everybody gets dirty. That, my friends, is the epitome of Colby Covington. Always a pleasure to speak with him. I say it all the time. Think what you will about Colby, but you cannot deny his accomplishments so far. And quite frankly, he is pretty damn funny, in my opinion anyway. Let's hope this matchup against Tyron does come to fruition for Super Bowl weekend. If not, then Colby gets a big fight in between now and then. You guys know he'll be back on the show soon, one of our favorite guests. But let's keep it rolling to our next guest. BJPenn.com Radio, the fighter's voice. Coming up next, Eddie Bravo. All right, Penn Nation, please welcome back to the show one of my all-time favorite guests, the man who many feel has single-handedly revolutionized the world of grappling, one of the best BJJ coaches in the business, who is also venturing into the stand-up comedy world, a musician, and a lovable personality in combat sports. Of course, I'm talking about Eddie Bravo. Eddie, thank you so much for joining us for our 100th episode. How are you doing today, brother? I'm doing great, man. Thank you for having me. Always a pleasure, my friend. Uh, There's much to discuss, like I mentioned, uh, but it's been a while since we had you on the show. So I figured we could catch up a bit first. Uh, first off, man, how is the transition to stand-up comedy going for you? It's going great. I'm loving it. It's fun. It's uh, it's um, so much fun when it works. You know what I mean? When you bomb, it sucks. You know, it, there's an old saying that it's like eating a bag of dicks, and that's true. <laughs> but when it works, it's awesome. There's nothing more fun, really. And you know, since I'm a guy who likes to talk a lot, it's uh, it, it, it's so much fun I, I can't even explain it well you got to eat those bags of dicks to eventually get to the the level that you want to be right yep yep there's no way around it it's just like jujitsu you got to get tapped out and get uh, run clinics on before before you uh you know start to put on clinics of your own right right i actually went to see joey diaz last weekend at foxwoods and he did this bit about you that i'm sure you're uh, you've already heard uh, about me? Yeah, yeah. He, he has <laughs> oh, a bit no. about you in his stand-up. Oh, yeah. No. <laughs> I don't. I don't. Go? Tell me. All right. Well, uh, I mean, yeah. Shit. He's he's he probably won't listen to this. Uh, he does this bit about you thinking Joe Rogan was in the CIA. It was pretty hilarious. Shit. 
Oh, he does that on stage? Yeah. <laughs> but, uh... Well, that's crazy. Yeah, I, I I got a kick out of it, but but I feel like it was a no brainer for you starting this comedy thing, considering that you know so many of your close friends are comics, and you're naturally a pretty funny guy. Does does that sound accurate to you? Well, you know what, I was doing comedy before Tenth Planet was even a thought. I actually worked for Comedy Central, and I was a writer on the Man Show, and I, you know I went up on stage did open mics and shit like that too. Uh, but um, you know I did that all before Tenth Planet. Um, I actually. Uh, left comedy, left the world of comedy to pursue, uh, a, a, you know, my life in jiu-jitsu and to start 10th Planet. When I came, when I did Abu Dhabi in 2003 and tapped out all the Gracie, I was actually working for the man show at that point when Joe Rogan and Doug Stanhope were the, the hosts. When I came back, when I came back, I quit. I walked off. I walked off and, uh, 10 Planet was born. I hated it, dude. I hated working for Comedy Central. It was the, yeah, lowest, I, point in my, it was the lowest point in my life, actually. Wow, man. Yeah, you know that that I completely uh, lost train of thought of that. I, I totally forgot that you were involved with the Man Show. So, obviously, yeah. this, this has been a long time, long thing coming for you. You're just getting back into it now. Well, you know what? I never stopped. Even though I walked away from comedy and like, decided to focus on jiu-jitsu and music, you know, I, I, I just thought, you know what? I'm, I'm just spreading... I'm just spreading myself way too thin. I got to just focus on uh, the, the original plan was music and then jujitsu. Uh, and, um, but I never stopped writing. And I always thought, hey, one day, one day I'll, I'll get back up on stage and fuck around a little bit. It's, it's a lot of fun. And, uh, you know, 15 years later, that's when I decided to do it. Awesome stuff, man. Awesome stuff. So you mentioned uh, BJJ there, of course. You just had EBI 17 go down last weekend middleweights in combat jiu-jitsu. You had some old-school names in there, man, like Tandem, uh, Tandem uh, McRory, Josh Neer. Uh, John Blank was the winner at the end of the night, but overall, how happy were you with the event? Man, I couldn't be any happier. I could not be any happier. Yeah, well, well, going in, um, obviously I wanted my guys to win, but, uh, you know, they were brown belts and they had no MMA experience, so I thought, damn, I mean, uh, you know, it, it's uh, the cards are, are not are against them. So, um, <clears throat> but it turns out that you know they didn't need any MMA experience. It was just all jujitsu. And Kyle Chambers and John Blank ended up in the semifinals, which sucked. I had it when when there's ten on ten crime. But uh, yeah, and John just John Blank just tapped everybody out um, quickly. Um, and, and without even throwing any strikes, you know, so I was more than happy and everyone loved the show. And that, that's the future of EBI. EBI is, is when, when the men are competing, it's going to be combat jiu-jitsu. When the girls are competing, it's going to be sub only. And uh, we're also going to do an EBI show uh, and possibly multiple shows that are, are team formats, like a quint, quintet rule style. So, right, right. So we're just going to keep evolving and, and keep tweaking things and, until things are, are uh, you know, at, at their best. Right. So, it, obviously, Quintet was something I wanted to get to here in a moment, but it seems like EBI, it's only growing. It's only getting more and more recognition with each event. Uh, what do you have planned for the next event? The next event is going to be a girl show, which is going to be back to step only, and uh, it's going to be a 16-girl bracket, the, 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 uh, the 115 division. I think there's strawweights, and... 
Um, you know, it's going to have world champions like Patty Fontes, Talita Allen Carr. Um, it's a bunch of badass black belt women. And also the return of Grace Gundrum. She's 16 now, and uh, she's going to be in there battling with world-class black belt. So um, that's going to be crazy to watch. Wow, yeah, I remember her in <clears throat> one of the early EBIs and how much potential she has. You're throwing her right in there with the Wolves, though. Throwing her right in. Wow, awesome, man. Te Technique-wise, she can, you know, we're going to see. We're going to see how it works out. We're going to see. Awesome, awesome. Now, staying with grappling, before we start to talk about Tony, <clears throat> you've got the 10th Planet team competing at uh, Quintet uh, tomorrow night. Uh, this is a pretty friggin' cool format, and, you know, they, they, they have this thing. It's building a lot of momentum. Uh, I'm sure you'd agree with it. Absolutely. It, you know, that Quintet 2, the one that 10th Planet won in Japan, that was the craziest jiu-jitsu experience that I ever went through. It was crazy. It was insane. Uh, people love it. You know, there's been all these uh, small tournaments doing quintet rules, um, a lot of spinoffs, and, and uh, that just shows you how um, the, the impact it's made on the grappling world. Right, right. So for this one, it's Team Sakuraba, Team Alpha Male, Team Polaris, and Team 10th Planet. Uh, your team won the last event with Gio Martinez tapping out a, a much bigger guy. Uh, you'll be looking to keep that momentum going tomorrow night, of course. Absolutely, man. We're going against Team Polaris first. And they were the champions of Quintet 1. So, you know, um, we're going to go after them. They got Craig Jones in the mix, and that's our, our number one focus. And we got we to gotta take him out. It's not going to be easy, but I think we, we got the guys to do it. Right, right. You know, and on top of all that, with the last Quintet event, man, Richie tapping out Sakuraba, that's fucking huge in my opinion. Yeah. You know what Sakuraba said? He said he, he lost because um, when he had him, he had him in a side headlock, and he got confused with Boogie's beard and his ears because he's got, like, really big, uh, <laughs> he's got really big, like, you know, when they put those plates in the ears? Yeah, you know gauges or whatever, yeah. Yeah, yeah, those big plates. Well, he takes it off when he grapples, and Sakurai, this is what he told me today. He said he had him in a headlock. And he, he thought maybe he was too high on the head because he felt his, his ear low and the beard <laughs> confused him. He, said he thought he was on the top of his head. Wow. So, and then, you know, that's where Boogie got out and put him in the truck, almost twisted him, but then he ended up darsing him. But <laughs> that was Sakuraba's excuse. Hilarious. <laughs> that's awesome, man. The, the most fascinating aspect of Quintet for me, you know, aside from the team format, of course, is the differences in size and, and how a lot of these matches play out and they become really compelling battles. On top of that, you know, those size differences prove that jiu-jitsu is truly not about the bigger man. Well, you know, in, in a way, yes. But, you know, <clears throat> uh, there are weight divisions for a reason. True. You know, and uh, uh, generally the game plan when uh, in quintet of a small guy gets faced with a giant guy, the, a good strategy is just to DQ that guy, just stall him out. You know what I mean? So, right. Uh, so, you know, technique is everything. But strength and size with technique, you know, that that's even more. Yeah, that's a, that, that's a great point you make there, that considering the size difference in this team format, there's a lot more strategy involved than, you know, say a one-on-one a, a -on -one heads-up competition like sub only yeah yeah 
Awesome, man. Do you feel like uh, everything you've done with EBI, that's pretty much opened the doors for all these new exciting promotions like Quintet, right? Uh, well, you know what? We weren't the first one doing sub-only shows. You know, Metamorphs is around, and even before that, <clears throat> uh, Hickson had a show called Bushido. Um, Rico Ciparelli, a wrestler from Oklahoma, uh, he, uh, he had a show called uh, Professional Submission League. You know, they've done it before. Those weren't sub-only. Those were points-based, but there, you know, there've been there's there's been quite a few like pay per view, you know, a Saturday night type jujitsu events before. We're not the originals. True, true, true. I, I know Metamorris was made a lot of waves, but I just feel like EBI itself is has probably done the most to to, to expand the sub only to to the masses, the casual fans, and, and all that as well. But uh, all right, man, that, well, go ahead. That's that's good to hear. <laughs> that's good to hear. <laughs> All right, so let, let's move on to the huge event this weekend. UFC 229 goes down Saturday. Of course, your MMA star pupil, Tony Ferguson, comes back from that devastating uh, injury that he had to face uh, Anthony Pettis. First off, man, tell us how Tony's been looking in the lead-up to this comeback. He's looking great. He's in, it's, it's miraculous at how quick he's recovered from that knee injury. Because his knee injury was like, it was like, it was like equivalent to a serious motorcycle accident. His whole LCL completely got torn off. That doesn't happen that often, you know, in, in combat sports, you know. Yeah, never you mind know, a freak accident, right. LCL might get torn a little bit, but not completely tore off. It was off. So he's recovered beautifully. He's done everything uh, he needed to do for recovery. He's been one of those, uh, those they're like blow-up pants that compress your leg. And, you know, he, he's been doing red light therapy. He's been doing everything. He's, he's, his, his work ethic is incredible, you know, including his uh, recovery work ethic. Right. Well, anybody that, that really follows MMA, we all know just how insanely obsessive Tony is about training. Literally days after the surgery, he's posting videos that had people saying, oh, God, Tony, please calm down. Have you guys had to really encourage him to slow down while getting back into the swing of things nah, following nah, the surgery? We know, we know better. No, we know better. You don't do that. You let Tony just Tony runs the show. True. He does he does whatever he wants to do. I'm just here to I'm just here to suggest different moves and strategies and philosophies on the ground. That's it. He's the one who, who makes all the decisions. Right. You can't tell the artist how to paint. You could just maybe give exactly. him some pointers. Yeah. Exactly. It's yeah. like trying to tell Led Zeppelin how to put a chorus together. Right. Right. Now, the fight with Pettis, it's not only a very important matchup for Tony to get back to the title, but Pettis is a very dangerous guy when he's firing on all cylinders. Give us your thoughts on this matchup. Yeah, he's definitely, you know, one of the most dangerous guys in the lightweight division. We're not taking him lightly at all. He's uh, He could end the fight anywhere, on the ground, on their feet. He's got um, unorthodox strikes, and he's got the attitude to throw the unorthodox strikes. And a lot of guys can can do the fancy stuff, but once they get in the octagon, they, they're really cautious and they don't really throw anything. But not Pettis. Pettis is a lot like Tony, where Tony's going to throw two spinning elbows in a row, you know what I mean? Or a flying kick off the fence. So, you know, Tony's taking him very seriously. Right, and, and that creativity on both sides, that kind of makes for what could be a, an, a very amazing matchup uh, stylistically, you know, if both of these guys are, uh, you know, pulling no stops, we're in for a real treat on Saturday. Absolutely, man. 
both these guys are right there at the top, unorthodox, unpredictable, uh, um, very confident, and, and and have the physical ability to to do all the fancy, explosive, spinning, crazy, wild shit that people love. Right. Now, Tony's made it very clear that he has a chip on his shoulder going into this one for, for several reasons, but most of all, I think it's because he never actually lost the title, and yet he was still stripped. Uh, how imperative is it for him to go out there and make a big statement on Saturday? It's very important. He needs, you know, he needs to let everybody know, and he is doing that. He's doing a great job of letting everybody know that he's right there at the top with Khabib and Connor. You know, you can't, you can't start talking about the best lightweights in UFC history without Tony's name being thrown in there. And he just let everybody know that he's right there at the top, and you don't want anybody to forget that. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, Connor has said that that he was preparing for both Khabib and Tony in case Khabib got injured. Has Tony been preparing the same way, or is he strictly focused on Pettis? You know what? For the most part, training camps are always the same. We train for the worst-case scenario. So, right. Uh, you know, we do. You know, it's as far as the jiu-jitsu goes. It's the same thing we do. We we prepare. You know, we're working on the worst the worst case scenario in, in terms of uh, rear naked choke escapes. We won't. We start off with that. We're just escaping rear naked choke, escaping the mount, escaping side control, escaping trying, escaping armbar, and then we work into the offense and and you know all the unorthodox tech planet stuff. But it always starts out the same. No matter who we're going with, it's it's a worst case scenario. We're just preparing for that every day. Right, and that and that's that's definitely the best way to prepare for for any matchup. Uh, but obviously, should he win, he'd be next in line for the winner of Khabib and Connor. Uh, and he has history with both guys. As far as money goes, you know the no brainer fight would be you guys would hope for Connor. But as far as stylistic matchups go, which guy do you prefer to see Tony fight to reclaim the title? Connor, Connor, Connor's the one. Tony would destroy him on the ground. All we got to do is get him on the ground. And Tony has to stand up to hang with Connor. I mean, Tony's, Tony fucked up Edson Barbosa. Tony fucked up Rafael Desanios, Josh Thompson, uh, Kakuno. All these guys are great stand-up. Tony's fucked them up. All of them. So, you know, obviously we got to respect Connor's power. But I think Tony can handle uh, uh, Connor on his feet. And once he drags him down, Tony's got too much firepower for Connor. Now, people are talking about the, the wrestling of Khabib, but it sounds to me like you feel that Tony would have Tony would be the harder stylistic matchup for Connor based on the combination of striking and the incredible grappling skill. Yeah, I think so. All right, so speaking... But you know what? Khabib is awesome, too. I mean, Khabib is incredible. So, you know, these are just... Uh, predictions and observations, and uh, but no one really knows what's going to happen until it actually happens. So right? We, we, who knows? Yeah. So speaking of the main event, man, who are you picking? Who are you leaning towards? Khabib or Connor? I want I want Connor to win because I want Tony to fight Connor. Right. You know, right. Being, being involved in that would be the ultimate, and you know, and then Tony would get mad paid, which would, which is great. So. I'm hoping Connor wins. I'm hoping it's Tony Connor sometime, you know, early next year. Right. That 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 would be ideal for for Tony, obviously, not only for legacy, but also for the financial side of it as well. 
Uh, but that kind of mental warfare that Connor is famous for, that kind of shit wouldn't infect an incredibly mentally strong guy like Tony, would it? No. That that would be the probably some of the most interesting parts of that fight is, is uh, the lead-up to it. Because Connor and Tony would, would the shit-talking back and forth would be insane. <laughs> It'd be very entertaining. For sure. I, I would definitely be looking forward to it. All right, listen, Eddie, you've been more than generous with your time. Just a couple more questions here for you. Uh, okay. How do you visualize this fight against Pettis playing out? Does Tony pace him, uh, outpace him and, and break him down? Does Tony sink that signature Darce choke? What's the outcome from your perspective? Well, if everything goes right, he's going to bully him. He's going to throw him up against that cage, throw him around, break his will, and then Darce him. That, that's, what I, that's what I'm hoping for. All right, so it does end with the Darce. Yes. All right. And uh, as far as Quintet goes, uh, why does everybody need to make sure that they tune in tomorrow to UFC Fight Pass? Man, if, if you like grappling just a little bit, guaranteed you're going to love what's going on with Quintet. They got a great format. Uh, making it a team versus team format just really, uh, just it's a game changer for the grappling scene. You know, it's, it's, it could go big time. I could, we could see that at the T-Mobile Arena one day. That would be absolutely amazing for everybody in the grappling world. Uh, again, Eddie, I can't thank you enough for being a part of this milestone show with well, us. Thank you for, thank you for having me. Uh, you, you were on the debut episode, and it's only fitting that, that you're here for the 100th. Uh, greatly, greatly appreciate it, and, and always a pleasure speaking with you, man. In conclusion, my friend, the floor is yours. Please plug any and all events or projects you have coming up, and where can everybody find you on social media? Well, if you want to learn some 10 Planet Jiu-Jitsu, go to 10PlanetJJ.com. Subscribe to Mastering the System. There's about 150 hours of me teaching Jiu-Jitsu, uh, and it's all 5 bucks a month. It's nothing. It's, it's basically for free, and you get, um, I know, and you get uh, some high-quality Jiu-Jitsu right in your living room. Awesome, man. And, and, and real quick, remind me... Uh... Next EBI, the women, straw weights. What, what's the date for that again? It's, uh, I think it's De- uh, December 9th, I think. Okay. It's, it's on a Sunday, and it's in, at, in Austin, Texas at the Onnit Academy. It's going to be insane. All the best female black belts in the world versus Grace Gunchel. <laughs> awesome, man. Very much looking forward to that. Looking forward to Quintet tomorrow and the fights on Saturday. Hopefully we can have you back on again soon. Have a great time in Vegas, my friend. Good luck with your team for both events, and we'll catch you on the flip side, brother. Thank you, dude. See ya. All right. Later. I know all of you already plan on tuning into UFC 229 this weekend, but if you have UFC Fight Pass, or even if you don't, go sign up for it. Watch Quintet. It really is a compelling format. Team versus team grappling. And the way it's set up, you never really know who's going to be matched up against who or how it's going to play out. Very fun stuff. Of course, make sure you guys tune in to EBI. As he said, the next one is going down December 9th. One of the most brilliant minds of Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. And like I said at the beginning of the interview, one of the coolest guys in combat sports as well. Always a pleasure to speak with Eddie. But let's bring this episode to a close. BJPenn.com Radio, the fighter's voice. Coming up next, our final guest of this episode, Tyson Pedro. All right, Penn Nation, please welcome to the show the number 15 ranked light heavyweight in the UFC 
and surging prospect in the division. Yet another bad mama jamma coming out of Australia, Tyson Pedro. Thanks for joining the show, Tyson. How was life done down under today, man? Thank you very much for having me. It's pretty terrible weather down here, but uh, it's uh, been good. Been training hard now. Oh, that's right. It's winter down there, huh? Yeah, just coming back into summer. Oh, man. Brutal, brutal. All right, well, uh, I-, I saw that you had a birthday uh, pass a few weeks ago, so happy uh, belated birthday, man. Did you do anything fun to celebrate? Uh, I was on a flight home from Moscow, uh, straight after Mark's, Mark's fight in Moscow, so we we cornered him there. Nothing too crazy. <laughs> oh, man. How was that flight? That must have been fun. Yeah, it sucked. <laughs> well, what, what I was saying was I would imagine that an even better birthday present for you is the chance to fight in your home country against the legend of the sport like Shogun Hua, right? Oh, massive. I'm, it's a very exciting fight for me. How excited were you to get the call for this scrap? Uh, yeah, um, it's been in the, in the works for a little bit, so uh, it wasn't a big surprise, obviously, um, when it finally got signed. It took a while to get it signed. There was a couple of hiccups, but uh, once uh, once they told me that it was Shogun, you know, I was, I was ready to go. It's, uh, he's a legend and uh, someone that I grew up watching as well. So it sounds to me like maybe shortly after his loss to Anthony Smith, the fight with you was, was already in the works. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it just made sense as well. Uh, we were both coming off losses. Uh, it's uh, We're around the same rankings. You know, I can see why they made the fight. And it's a big fight for me, uh, you know, especially with Ty fighting JDS. Um, uh, Jamie beat one of my mentors growing up, James Tahuna. Uh, Shogun, I mean, beat uh, James Tahuna. So it's a good chance for me to get him back. Right, a, a chance of redemption there. Uh, give us your thoughts on Shogun as an opponent, man. How do you guys match up stylistically? You know, he's got that uh, very hard K1 style and his jiu-jitsu is always on point. Uh, but I think I'm just going to bring a youthful approach to it uh, and, uh, you know, keep my long MMA style that I have. Now, he's coming off the devastating KO loss to Anthony Smith, as I just mentioned, back in July. A lot of people were calling for him to retire after that loss, but I've always maintained that the the media and the fans really have no business telling a guy how or when to end his career. What's your take on all the retirement talk in regards to Shogun? Oh, 100%. uh, It's it's up to him. Um, You know, the people have been telling Mark to retire as well for a uh, long time, but he's a fighter and you know he's still got the fight in him no matter what. so that's the same as Shogun. Definitely not looking past him or over- underestimating him. He's, uh, there's a reason why he is who he is and what he's done. So uh, I, I, that's, uh, yeah, that's completely up to Shogun. Right, should be on his terms. I agree with you 100%. Uh, so as you mentioned, you're both coming off a loss yourself to uh, Vince Pru uh, back in Singapore in June. No shame in getting tapped by a guy who's, who's one of the best grapplers in the division, but what did you take away from that fight in regards to uh, a learning experience? Oh, uh, lots, um, and uh, I went straight back to the working boy. I've been tra- uh, drawing board, and I've been training harder than what I was training in the off season before that. So uh, it's it's never a, it's always a lesson in what you get from it. And uh, you know, when instead of going for the choke, maybe I step back and uh, keep cracking him. But uh, that's what fighting is, and that's where the fight IQ comes from. Learning um, uh, very early on in my career, and. Uh, I'm having to learn on the job in the UFC, whereas a lot of these other guys have been uh, 
you know, OSP had had 34 fights. I was on my, I think, ninth or eighth. So it's uh, it's still learning, and it's a hard place to learn. So you learn fast. Right, right. You're learning on the job, learning on the fly. That, that That's not easy stuff, man. Uh, so obviously now you're looking ahead. Um at one of the greatest to ever do it. A win here is not only the biggest win of your career, but this could really propel you into the beginnings of superstardom, right? Definitely, definitely. That's why it's a big fight. Um, and I think it's just so similar with both um, me and uh, my brother-in-law, obviously, Ty fighting JDS. It's uh, going to be big news even for Australia. You know, people over here might not know uh, the UFC in general, but they've heard of Shogun, so it's uh, it's a big name. Absolutely. I feel like Shogun is a fan favorite for every true fan of this sport, and it sounds like the same can be said for Tyson Pedro. Oh, man, I hope so. If I could ever even get to close to where he is as a legend in MMA, it would be an honor. So give us your landsca- uh, your thoughts on the landscape of the division and where you fit into it. You're still young in the game, like you just mentioned, but do you feel like you're ready to compete against some of the elite at 205 right now at this point? Well, uh, I... I think uh, Latifi's ranked number three now, OSP's ranked number seven, and I took those lessons early on in the, uh, my career in the UFC. So I think that helps me prepare and be ready to be going for a championship later down the stage. Like, if I had beat either one of those, it would have put me to almost uh, uh, one fight away from being a title fight, and I wouldn't have been ready at that time. So I think all of this is a learning and part of my career, and it's uh, uh, going to put me up there very soon, and I'll be ready. Yeah, it all happens for a reason, and you don't want to climb those ranks too quickly, right? Exactly, and that's pretty much what was going on when I had two wins in the UFC. Right. Who are you most impressed with uh, in the division? Uh, I don't know. Uh, you know, uh, DC's always a uh, and uh, always been a bit of a favorite. Like he's just a good champion. He's um, done it well. Uh, John Jones is obviously a crazy athlete. It'll be interesting to see what happens with him coming back. Uh, Anthony Smith was impressive against Shogun. Uh, he came out of nowhere, and uh, I've always loved uh, Gustafsson. Yeah, I think he's always been a great fighter. So there's some, of, some of the people that look at the top that I think are doing well. Speaking of Jones, what do you think about the return of John Jones, uh, and should he get the immediate title shot upon his return? I'd be very surprised if he got the title shot, but I don't get involved in any of this politics that's going on with that. I couldn't care less. Uh, just concentrate on what I'm doing. I've got a, I've got enough of my own problems to worry about everyone else's. Right, right. True, true, true. Um, in that case, man, you know, aside from Shogun and a chance for the title, what would be a dream matchup for you right now? That's really hard because I got the dream matchup. Uh, you know, it's uh, right. I'm it's right in front pretty of pretty much yeah. Shogun. At this at this point, I, I had this written down, and I thought I saw this like happening before it happened. Like I, I like wanted this fight for a long time. So it's uh, exactly who I asked for, and exactly where I feel like I need to be in this part of my career. Really, you had this written down, and this has been a visualization for you for a long time. When did you write this down? Uh, a couple months ago. Definitely, I think about when I asked for it. Um, I've, I've, since I've joined the UFC, I think that's been a big part of, uh, like I, I wrote down, getting into the UFC on a late call up in Melbourne before it lands. Like, ever since that, I've written a lot of stuff down that I've wanted to happen, and it's been pretty trippy how close to what it is uh, has become. 
Right, right. It all still feels surreal at, at, at times, right? Yeah, definitely. Now, changing gears here for a moment, uh, I know, you, as you mentioned, you and uh, your brother-in-law, Tai Tiavasa, very close. Uh, you guys train together, host a podcast together. Tell us about the importance of, of having a brotherhood in this business and you know how beneficial your relationship with Ty has been for your career. Yeah, uh, we were actually just talking about this the other day. Um, I think just having someone there that uh, is going through the exact same thing, uh, the exact same pressures, the exact same fight, the exact same media, training camp, where we grew up together, being out of Western Sydney, it's just uh, it's crazy to see that we're able to be so different and at the same spot as well. Uh, so it's I'm, I'm at their house pretty much every single day and uh, just with my nephew even and it's uh, been awesome having to be have each other there to get through this yeah I, I gotta say man I it's maybe not unusual for this sport but it's very cool to see guys like yourself who who have you know such a long history together as friends to be coming up in one of the craziest jobs in the world together yeah uh, I I can't think of many others who have known each other since kids and been that way and then ended up in the UFC. I, I don't know, but uh, it makes it it makes it easier, especially with our families being so close. And when we go away for camp, it just all uh, all works. Right, right. Now you both you both scored amazing matchups against Brazilian legends for this Adelaide card. Uh, how do you think Ty's going to do against the very dangerous Junior dos Santos? Uh, you know, Ty's. Pretty much like me, we're coming all the time for first round finishes. But uh, yeah, I've been watching him, and he's uh, mentally just looks there at the moment. So uh, it's a very, it's going to be exciting times the whole night, especially being on uh, free to air TV in Australia. We're making stuff come true. Like we're part of the generation that's going to get it into every household in uh, MMA, into every household in Australia. Yeah, that, that that's got to feel really cool to be a part of something like that, man crazy because uh, I think that's what we've always wanted to or have a goal to let get Australia behind us whereas it was a little bit frowned upon when we first started out here right and if I'm not mistaken your father played a big part in, in bringing mixed martial arts to Australia is that correct yeah he uh, had King of the Cage uh, yeah, in Australia and there was still cage bands in Perth and Melbourne so it's uh it's been a long, a long, long time in the game. Just watching how everything's unfolded in Australia, right? And you know, having having your dad being involved in the business, I mean, that obviously lent itself to you wanting to get involved in mixed martial arts, right? Oh, definitely. I I watched uh, James Zahuna, um, Tony Gumbinello. Uh, these guys. I was opening the cage door for them when they're going in to fight my dad's shows. Uh, so. Um, to now do it, it's just pretty much what I watched and what I've always wanted to be. So, awesome man, very cool story, very compelling stuff. All right, Tyson, listen, you've been more than generous with your time, man. Just a couple more questions here for you. Uh, since we have this huge fight coming up this weekend, give us your pick for Connor and Khabib. Uh, I'm going Khabib. Uh, I just want to see him more someone for five minutes after uh, five rounds. Uh, I've never seen anyone do anything like what he does, so it'll be interesting to see if he can hold it up for the five rounds. Right. Very, very interesting matchup. I think a lot of people are leaning towards Khabib, but there's always that possibility of that one shot to land. Uh, so 
I, uh, well, Connor's messed me up a few times with that one shot. <laughs> right? You and many others, my friend. You and many others. Uh, <laughs> and getting back to your own fight, man, how do you see this showdown with Mauricio Shogun Hua playing out? What are you visualizing, and how does your hand get raised? Always going for that first-round finish, but I think I'm just going to try and overwhelm him. All right, fair enough. And in conclusion, my friend, tell all the fans out there why this fight, this card in particular, is one they don't want to miss and why you're the guy that everybody needs to keep their eyes on going forward. Uh, you need to get down to Adelaide. It's part of Australian history. So this will be where Australia realizes how big MMA and UFC is going to be in the world. I want to be there, and I'm going to be a part of it, and I'm going to be here for a long time. Thanks for having me, bro. All right, again, Tyson, thank you so much for the time today. Hopefully we can catch up again after the fight, or when the fight draws a little closer. Uh, any shout-outs or sponsor plugs before we let you go? Please, Muscle Bros, uh, thank you very much. ITP, uh, there's Reebok, a few others, but thanks for having me on, and uh, I'm sure we'll talk after the fight. All right, man, it was a pleasure speaking with you tonight. Have a great start to your training camp, and, and enjoy the fights on Saturday, man. Thank you very much. Oh, and come look, what, uh, check out our podcast. Obviously. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, remind remind me, what is it? The half the yeah, half cast podcast? Is that it? The half cast podcast. Very good. Is that on iTunes? Where can everybody find that? Uh iTunes, uh YouTube, and we're getting on to Spotify. Awesome. Man. Get around to it. <laughs> Thank you very much. Very good stuff. All right, have a good day, bro. Cheers, bro. You too. Later. You know, I gotta be honest with you guys. I wanted to say to Tyson. Please don't hurt Shogun because I love him, but I refrain from that. You guys know I talk about it all the time. I'm a huge Mauricio Shogun Hua fan. He's a legend of the sport. And what an opportunity for Tyson Pedro to face off against him in his home country. Let's see if Tyson can seize the moment on December 2nd in Adelaide. So that's it, folks. I hope you enjoyed all the conversations we had for this episode. As I said in the beginning of the show, I tried to stack this bad boy as much as we possibly could. I got to tell you, folks, I truly do love and enjoy what I do here at BJPenn.com Radio, and I cannot thank you all enough for all the support you've given us over the past two years. It's crazy to think that we've already hit this milestone of 100 episodes. I know I've only improved, and I hope that you guys can appreciate that because I certainly appreciate you. We are just getting started. Bigger things are on the horizon. I promise you all that. I'm going to continue to do my best to bring you guys awesome guests, great conversations, and up the quality of this production as well. So make sure you guys stay tuned. We'll be dropping another episode probably next week or, or a little bit thereafter. And make sure you guys follow us on social media at BJ Penn Radio. Also, make sure you guys follow the website on social media at bjpen.com Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Google+. Like I said earlier, set up alerts, get the news as it breaks. We are the largest independently owned and operated MMA news site out there today, and we are very proud of that. And all of you guys in Penn Nation, you make that possible. So thank you. On behalf of everyone on the team, all the hardworking guys that bring you the news each and every day, the most reliable information possible, I'm your host, Jay Kinch. Until next time, my friends, this is the Fighter's Voice, BJPenn.com Radio. Peace out, everybody.